Hello, I'm Eagle. Eagle Gardens. Eagle Gardens 1 on Instagram. And this is fucking talking shit with Eagle episode 661. Hopefully you guys have had a great evening. I sure have. Tonight I've got a great guest for you. I had a, the pleasure of briefly meeting the other day at Mendo in the Mitten. Uh, Michael Fang, great, uh, great Gage Green Group. Uh, how you doing, my friend? You want to tell everybody how you're doing and uh, where they can find you? What's up, Eagle? Good to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, this is Fang. Um, my name is Michael. You can also call me Jeshan. Um, I'm a breeder, cannabis grower, and uh, overall connoisseur of the plant. Um, it's brought me in so many directions, healed me in so many ways, uh, show me what's possible. And it's just, uh, you know, true honor and pleasure to be here, to be working with cannabis. And uh, honestly, I'm just uh, grateful for every breath. And you can find me on, you know, gagegreengroup.com uh geneticdesigner.io a few of the companies i run besides gauge green group and the designer brand are seabank international legit genetics and our new phoenix flower and so i look forward to seeing you guys you know engaging with our pages in the future and eagle thanks for having me i look forward to uh, the upcoming session. I am very much looking forward to it as well. Basically, what I do here is get to know some of the awesome people in cannabis that we see around who do the breeding. Uh, who we just see around the cannabis community in general, uh, get to know them a little bit better. So basically where we start off here at is uh, where, did, where did cannabis come into your life? When was the first time that you either seen the plant or consume the plant? Where did your, your journey start?
No, Fang, you've been muted. You're muted, brother. We can't hear you. Oh, shit. You've been, I've been muted the whole time just talking to myself. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, let me start from uh, the beginning. Um, I didn't realize I could hear, but. Oh, that is yeah, so please. interesting. Yeah, I'll start over. Uh, thanks for letting me know. And um, it's no problem at all. <laughs> well, okay. So my story starts actually when I, at a really young age, um, when I was like a kid, I faintly recall one of my uncles rolling up in front of a table and I was a kid kind of just like peeking over the coffee table and seeing the process. Um, that was like a once in a lifetime thing. My parents are both non-smokers and didn't like really were kind of brainwashed into the, into the world, the war on drugs mentality. And so they never really um, were smokers themselves. So growing up, you know, I wasn't really exposed to it much. Um, what's I remember actually when I was like about 11 or 12, one of my cousins who took care of me growing up and she was about 15 years older than me. And she had told me uh, one time when we were on vacation somewhere and she was like, Mike, let um when you start smoking pot make sure you let me know um she she's like you know i'll i'll take care of you and stuff but i was so young at the time i didn't really remember or i like it kind of like got deposited into the back of my head and i honestly didn't take her up on that offer um my experience getting into cannabis was you know with my friends in high school I started uh, smoking when I was 15 and uh, basically I think it was, I think that was the summer between sophomore year and, and or my, my um, sorry, the summer before my freshman year of high school or whatever. And I just, uh, one of my friends, Brian was like, Mike, you, you smoke. And I was, at the time, like we all smoked cigarettes and shit. And he, I was like, you know, not familiar with cannabis at the time. And he's like, yo, let me put you on to some, some of my friends and, and a few, I think one thing uh, turned to another and like, I got some, got some weed. And uh, the first time I ever smoked was at the beach. So I grew up in Southern California on the kind of the border of OC and LA. And uh, the beach was always like 15 minute drive away. So we spent a lot of time at the beach. And uh, I remember we set up a tent and we hot boxed that tent. And uh, that was the first time I ever smoked pot. Um, ever since then, I became almost like a, a fanatic. <laughs> like as soon as I got into it, as soon as, soon as I um, began to appreciate the plant, which is right off the bat, I basically um, started getting into like cannabis photos and, and 
watching videos and reading up on, you know, tutorials and, and forums and just basically trying to absorb as much as I could about the plant. Um, this was in high school. And at the beginning, I actually learned a lot about, you know, the benefits of cannabis, the reasons behind um, prohibition. And so I was really driven by the inequity and um, trying to kind of understand why this, this plant that was, uh, that I fell in love with was so demonized. And um, from, since that day, you know, I was like, I loved rolling. I loved glass. I remember, you know, getting my first glass piece um, up to like every single, it went from like a pipe to a small bong to a bigger bong to an even bigger bong. Like, it's just like the whole process, learning how to roll, um, being the only one in my group that knew how to roll, then like graduating, I don't know about graduating, but moved from joints to blunts. And then, and then just like that whole cycle. Um, but yeah, basically like I was just a huge fan. I used to take pictures of cannabis when I was a kid and I still have pictures from like the first few months of when I started smoking weed, um, save somewhere basically like i was into can like say cannabis pictures because i was thinking recently of how i got into photography and just like um the aesthetics of cannabis and really started when i was 15 and um people were looking at porn i was looking at bud porn and uh yeah anyways just fell in love with the plants and yeah that was high school It is a very intoxicating plant, that's for sure. I'm jealous that you still have some of those original photos. I am so guilty of uh, digital, we, you know what I mean? You always, we always think as we snap these photos with the digital cameras and our phones that, oh, nothing's ever gonna happen, that's gonna be there, and then life happens, and all those photos are destroyed. I miss the you know what i mean actual printouts of the pictures <laughs> yeah it's like they're so precious and they're moments moments in time that you can never forget in your memory but it's nice to have whether it be digital or physical and um yeah i'm lucky that i just have always been able to try like kind of keep up with backing things up and maintaining a, a database but um i will say that i've lost probably some year, some years here and there due to like you know some failures in my my record keeping but yeah it's i have millions of photos of cannabis like i take hundreds a day so it's um cataloging it is a big part of my job So do you remember some of the, the strains of the cultivars you were taking the pictures of back then? And, uh, and again, I got to give you some credit for, you know, 
being on point to capture those memories, man. Not not too many people are thinking like that at that age, you know, and being being that focused with it. Yeah, man, I just loved it. It was um I just saw people already sharing pictures back then. Okay, so like there's just it was like um I don't even remember what it's called, but it was a website where it was almost like an early picture forum i guess almost like an early version of instagram uh for weed but on a forum and basically people would just post pictures of bomb cannabis and uh and it kind of showed me at the time that there was like there was levels to this you know and not every photo was the same not every um flower was the same not every grower was the same and there was almost like a mini competition going on in in just pictures alone and that kind of just intrigued me and that happened i mean that was in like 2005 2006 right when i was looking at seeing some of this stuff but um of course the forums are already uh, active and and happening at the time and you know eventually it got on to the forums and that was that's its own world, right? So I, yeah, learned a lot from the internet, I will say. So how did you uh, manage to keep it from your folks? So, I mean, I'm just curiosity out of not being able, having some pretty strict parents, it's not necessarily to have, uh, a fire like that with cannabis and be able to hide it. So how, how'd you get around the parents thing? <laughs> That's a very good question. And it's like, um, it's, um, I have so many stories from that time that I could probably like write a movie about just my high school experience and, um, kind of like just even making it through what, was interesting and um but yeah with my parents it was like i was obviously having to hide it i was um i was already smoking cigarettes in junior high and hiding it so i was kind of used to i hate to like promote anything not not like not respectful to parents and stuff because like, I know I kind of like feel bad for my parents looking back at just a lot of the um, drama and stress I put them through, but kind of a means to an end, I guess. Um, I was like, honestly, kind of a, kind of a rowdy kid, you know, and uh, I did get in trouble a lot. And so, but then I also hit a lot for my parents. None of this is really good in the long run and um i've kind of had a lot of you know coming to terms and and healing that i had to do and still have to do with my parents and um but it but it's really cool i mean now there's smokers and um using the plant for healing and all on board with the mission but at that time it, it wasn't like that so let's let's just say um I think they found out, okay, so the benefits, the reason why why I was able to smoke 
pot in high school was my both my parents worked, which is um, they had yeah they had full time jobs so they weren't home from the time school ended till about five or six and so pretty much like my house was free I was free to do pretty much whatever I wanted and parents put your kids in after school activities. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. But like, basically I had, I was on the basketball team. I was on the swim team. I was really um, productive, started multiple clubs. Um, when I started smoking weed at 15, I actually went from like a straight B student to uh, basically a, I got perfect grades pretty much from the rest of high school. And um, I swear it made me smarter. Like it made everything easier. Um, and I was able to get through the school and the extracurricular parts pretty easily. So I had a lot of free time and me and my friends would meet up after school before practices, you know, during lunches. And we would just have huge parties. And um, one day after practice, we were hanging out. There was like 12 guys in my backyard and we were, it was uh, before basketball. No, it was after basketball practice. I think we had ended early and I had sprained my ankle. So I hadn't even been practicing and I was just hanging out in the back on the, um, under the patio. And um, I got, I remember my friend Paul was inside making like bagel bites and um, we were all outside hitting the bong. There was like five glass pieces on the table, like our pipes, our scales, our you know, bags and everything. Um, and then my mom comes through the door. <laughs> uh, and she's like, what is going on here? And uh, <laughs> Paul comes up and he's like, hey, Mike, I got to go. Bye. <laughs> Pretty much everyone uh, grabs their things as quickly as they can and uh, just start going in every which direction in the backyard. <laughs> And so all disappeared within a few seconds and it was just me and a bunch of fucking evidence. <laughs> um, that was, I think the, that was not, that was one time where I got caught and um, let's see in high school. I think, I think I got arrested multiple times and um, once for drinking and once and like a couple times for cannabis um and so by the time i was in like my sophomore year the school knew the parents knew all the students knew my parents knew they'd actually talk about me at the ptsa meetings and uh i was the drug dealer of every known substance on planet on the planet and there was like um and i i was i was i was thinking like i never sold ecstasy or coke or any of that but like it all word always went like went around and i guess like when you buy a bunch and and hook up your friends that's selling but at the time i really didn't think that i didn't really think of it that way i anyways um, but yeah, I was like really just the, the pot dealer and loved weed. Um, 
actually, this is a this is a fun fact. I won't even call. I won't mention the company because that would not be fair. But one of uh, my high school dealer at the time, um, honestly, I wouldn't have thought he'd really be where he is today. A super super successful man, because um, uh, really at the time, all his friends and and people like in that life were getting were getting all fucked up, you know, and going to jail and um many ways like this dude, you know, put me on to a lot of cannabis knowledge, um, was my basically my connect all throughout high school. Is now like uh is now the head of a like a incredible cannabis company and uh i didn't know until recently but it's one of the top brands in the nation and i'm just really proud to see that um happening to somebody from my town and really from my grade and um i'm 32 uh so if that puts it puts anything in perspective graduated high school in 08 so it's been 14 years and um Anyways, yeah. So that's high school was really fun for me. It really was an education in cannabis. You asked earlier, like what kind of pot, if I recall. And um, so when it first started, I was just having this conversation with my buddy, but everybody, everything was called just chronic. And we were just like, hey, what is this? And they'd be like, it's some chronic. And I guess at that time, it really just had no name. It was just um, some green uh green bud i guess and um later on um we started getting strains like probably when i was a uh, sophomore junior year later on like a couple years into my adventure i guess because i was selling a lot of pot that just like didn't have name had to have a name for a while and then it became like one of the first strains of course were like og bubba um and sour for me so i guess i like graduated another level when that kind of pot started coming in and um yeah so that was like that was just like 2006 and um really um that my introduction into kush and og was like growing up you know smoking pot in la and and orange county and um one of uh so yeah that was pretty much most of this weed coming through was og kush type genetics um once in a while like in the la area you'll get like some jack herrera or some blue dream or some uh afghan bull rider or some cat piss or some some unique but rarely will you see sativa um in la done right i think it's not, it just doesn't have the, the bag appeal or hasn't had the bag appeal to like, a, um, appeal to the, that kind of audience. But yeah, OG Kush was basically the name, name of the game, um, from about 2006 to, to when I like, um, oh, I, I mean, I don't know when it, when it's ended, but, um, yeah, that's, that was my upbringing. Right on, right on. 
So, man, I got to give you props, man. 32, God, you've laid a lot of history in cannabis already. And you've got to, you, you know what I mean? You've got a long road to go. So, hands up to you for, you know, leaving your mark as early as you have. You know, uh, cheers to you on that. So, when did, when did it kind of go from... I guess if you're anything like me, uh, flipping a little bit to for you to make some cannabis there to growing it. When did you decided to uh, start cultivating the plant? So I started growing when I partnered with uh, Keyplay, who's now my former business partner. We had a falling out at the end of um, middle end of last year, which we can get into later. Um, but uh, actually, like, I'll take that back. I didn't start. I started growing when I got into college and I basically did like hobbyist, um, small tent and and it was like a closet grow. And my buddy had a closet grow and I had a closet grow and we were just fucking around. So um, that was actually my first grow. And um, at that time, I was growing some. Uh, what was it some banana og and that was like the first strain i ever grew oh wait no it was um it was banana kush i'm sorry but anyways um this was from a buddy i knew in la who actually ended up um being the source to a lot of incredible ogs and genetics like the hundred dollar og and other stuff that we ended up incorporating into our breeding and um his name is dash uh shout outs to dash he was one of my apartment mates in college that you know we explored a lot of cannabis with but um yeah i didn't really start growing until i started uh partnering with key play on gauge green group before that i was just selling cannabis um I started attending Berkeley in 08. Um, I instantly started selling cannabis um, out of a frat house, basically. Um, I it was it was interesting because I'm not really like your typical frat boy. I guess depending on who you talk to, I guess. <laughs> but I was like um, when I I went to Berkeley for my um for orientation and I brought some weed up and some and some glass with me to smoke and I hit up one of my high school basketball teammates um Damon who was already attending Berkeley and he's like yeah come up come roll through the frat um or the fraternity house and so I I rolled through and uh basically like met a lot of people there and instantly basically became the their their pot dealer and um anyways i just like they just inducted me i guess the first my freshman year the interesting part story about the whole fraternity thing is like later on um i think i become i'm too much of a um nutcase for them and they couldn't handle me so they actually um, kicked me out of the the fraternity. Um, I was getting into fights and um, 
drops, all types of weird shit. So probably just, just out of control. And I, so that was short lived. Um, but yeah, while I was there, I met, met a lot of people, met a lot of friends, um, made a lot of connections on campus and sold a lot of cannabis. And, uh, I was, you know, going between LA and Berkeley. Um, I had a friend that went, was going, was attending a uh, university in Santa Cruz. And so he was, he ended up growing and, uh, basically having, like, he was actually, he's a year older than me. And, um, this is Ben and he used to move a lot of weight in high school and was one of the other dealers, but he was like a grade older than me. So we kind of like had different groups of friends. Um, and I would take the Amtrak to uh, Santa Cruz and we would load up our bags with palm weed that he would grow, he would grow or his buddies would grow. And he had buddies that were taking that like are, was already in the game at the time. They were moving packs from um, NorCal and Santa Cruz to the dispensaries in the Bay Area. And that was like a very lucrative kind of hustle, obviously. And so they um that's what they were doing and i was getting my like quarter pounds and pounds on the side um of mixed varieties he was a guy that um <clears throat> we were already into like our pieces our glass pieces in high school but um i didn't start well he was really the the guy who was spending money on glass at a like from the beginning and um so he was the guy that put me on to roar he may have been the guy to put me on to sovereignty. Um, I mean, keep in mind, this was like, this was back in 08, 09. I mean, there were, this was a thing, but like he, they were much lesser known artists being in, uh, well, not Roar, but Sov, I guess, but um, being in Berkeley, there was access to a lot of really cool glass shops, Big Al's being the main one, probably the, the top one. I don't, I haven't been there in a decade, but I see her. I see them doing their thing on Instagram, Big Al Smoke Shop. Um, go check them out. But yeah, they got a good good line on gene um, not genetics, <laughs> glass, and so they're pretty cool people. Um, but they used to hook me up, and I've probably dropped tens of thousands of dollars there. But I used to get all the Toro. Anyways, um, Ben was the guy who turned me on to Roar. Like he would have like the four foot Roar the the thick glass roar, the um, roars with perks and all types of weird stuff that like at the time no one else had and um, taught me about the difference between cheap glass and scientific glass, I guess you may, or heady like um, glass. And so th that's when I started really collecting um, more, I guess you could call like, um, collector style pieces um when we first started it was just like being able to get something at a smoke shop being under 18 was a big deal right and so um at in high in college yeah so that was basically um i don't even know what what the original question is or what i why i started talking about santa cruz but yeah we would i'd go over there pick up weed and um sell it in berkeley and uh and then i met through my buddy um Ahmed, um, cool dude, actually awesome dude. What, um, love the guy. 
I wish I um, still had his information. And um, but he's the guy that introduced me to Keyplay, who at that time was calling himself Al and selling, you know, medical pot on Craigslist and and um, Bud Trader and some stuff like that. And so um, Ahmed was a medical card holder and um, truly a patient. And he encouraged me to get a card because I was became his dealer, too. But he's like, Mike, you got to get a card, right? We're in the Bay Area. And I was like, all right, um, I got a card in my first semester of my freshman year. Um, that's when I basically um, got my first card in Oakland. From Anyways, I won't go into all that. And then basically, like, so I got my card, started going to all the dispensaries, started going to the dispensaries in L.A. and the Bay Area. Um, LA was really where, the, where it was happening. Um, shops in every, every corner, um, you know, like back then we were getting ounces for like, of like bomb OG for like 150 to 250. And that was the, like from, I don't know if anybody remembers a shop called 2am and they were fucking open till 2am in Long Beach anyways, but there was a bunch of, so I went to all of them and, uh, just trying the bomb is Kush. Now the difference between LA and the Bay was that if you went to a Bay Area shop and there were 30 strains, they'd have two OG Kush varieties. If you went to a can a dispensary around 08, 09 in LA and there were 30 strains, there'd be, you know, 29 different types of OG. And um two types of whatever I mentioned earlier, like Jack Herrera and Blue Dream or something. And so that's the palette of LA. NorCal has um, every strain in the world. It's like all the colors of the rainbow exist in NorCal, no pun intended, I guess. But it's like there's, um, there you have um, Oregon not too far away. You have the whole Emerald Triangle. You got the legacy that's been established in San Francisco and Oakland being, you know, the, at the forefront of medical cannabis and um, Oakland having decriminalized to the point where there were clubs and, and private clubs and um, that, that were like, um, you know, doing some really, really awesome things and, and building what we take for granted today, like um, putting a lot of genetics out there um, and yeah, take, you know, taking a lot of arrows um, and obviously a lot of people lost their shit at the time too. But, um, but yeah, no, I, going back to genetics though, the Bay area was really where there was uh, variety and that was something that I always appreciated. Um, but uh, the truth is you, you go, you could go to NorCal at the time and bring back something really exotic or different and um and what i would consider unique and and worthy um but uh unless it was some bomb kush it wouldn't really sell that well in the la market so that's something that i i had you know discovered at the time but i really enjoyed being in in berkeley um and seeing all the varieties i met key play in 08 started selling helping him move his pot um, up and down California. And, um, 
grape stomper being one of the main strains that um, I was uh, getting from him at the time that was unique and actually quite spectacular. And so that, you know, helped help cover my bills through college um, or for for about a year. And then um, something crazy happened in 09 was uh, I got after I got kicked out of the fraternity, I was on, living on my own. And like the first, this was like, um, I believe this was in my junior, my first, the first month of my junior year or something. Um, I got arrested for, um, by an undercover police officer. And I still, to this day, I still think maybe I got set up or something but basically what happened was um this but this this kid who actually the everything comes full circle i guess but um ahmed introduced me to this kid who he's like can you serve up this kid for me i was like all right um well this kid calls me and he's like hey can you bring an eighth um for me like uh, i saw i needed an eighth and it was some fucking casey jones pot that i had that I was growing or I was I got um and this wasn't from key play at the time it's just because I, I was moving all types of shit but basically um I just still remember the weed it was almost like slightly hermy <laughs> I I brought brought it to campus he was like hey can you bring it to, to campus um I'm just like between classes I'm like yeah I gotta go to school I gotta get to class at x uh, you know at 4 p.m or whatever I'll see you at by the bridge well, he comes up to me. I see him. I meet him. I go up to say hello. I give him the weed. He gives me the money. And then the next thing I hear is, sit down, you're under arrest. And of, of course, it wasn't my buddy. It was another guy that was right next to him watching the whole thing go down. Tell me the buddy isn't an informant. You know what I mean? Like, tell me this. Anyways, um, never see him again. But uh, he, uh, so I get thrown into, I would stay, like, I've spent a night in Berkeley, um, at the Berkeley's, I don't know where the fuck, downtown. And then they sent me to Santa Rita um, for a weekend. And then I, it was always, they always arrest you on a fucking long weekend on a Thursday or something. Anyways, so you don't get to see the judge till monday whatever um and then so what's crazy is so i got i met all i met all types of people in jail it's funny i gave some people my number and we i made friends with everyone but once i but once i got out it was like i did not want anyone fucking calling me i started getting calls and i was like why the fuck would why the fuck did i give people my phone number in jail and uh it, it just Long story short, um, I got on probation and that's when I basically, it kind of like shattered my, my dreams of like being in the professional workplace. Like when you get arrested for felony um, possession and, and intensive, you know, sales and blah, 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 blah. And that's on your record. There are certain things that you're just no longer, um, able to qualify for i.e like certain jobs a lot of the things that i was um like investment banking 
um, working, you know, for a corporation at the time, that was like um, the path of any kid that was going to Berkeley. And uh, I was like, okay, that killed pretty much all my hopes and dreams of ever becoming uh, working in the financial industry, let's just say at the level that um, my, my friends and people that graduated before me were, were um, operating at, let's just say. So I was like, I'm doing this cannabis thing. I'm obviously really good at it. I love it. Um, I was going to do it anyways, but since I can't do all this, like I was doing internships, I was doing um, all types of activities to prepare myself to be positioned to like work in the corporate world in a sense. And uh, then I find out, well, not that I find out I'm on probation and I realize that I ain't going to be shit in that world. And in fact, they didn't want me. And why the fuck would I want to work for any organization or group or person that didn't value who I was and the, the plant that I represented and would judge me for being a user of something that I believe is sacred. So a lot of, you know, you could see like a lot of, um, I guess gears were, were turning or like things were changing in my perception of like the world. And, um, I was like, you know what, I'm just, uh, I'm going to go into cannabis full time and I'm going to do what I do. Um, but professionally and obviously entrepreneur, small business, all that stuff. I approached several people at that time. I was, had started a website that was um that's similar to weed maps but is actually an elevated approach which um i still intend on building this platform and is still viable and actually extremely needed in the world today i just need to find the right team to to build it but i was already like embarking on just different entrepreneurial endeavors and ideas um one of the individuals i approached was is uh was keyplay I was already buying his weed and uh, I talked to him and I said, Hey, like, so, you know, I've, I've arrested, like, I'm probably not going to be able to move as much of your weed, but at the time or whatever, that's what I thought. And then I was like, you know, I'm going to um, start my business full time in cannabis. And how about we do something together? And um, from that moment, well, I don't know how long it took for him to agree, but it was probably within a few weeks we got together uh, and um, shook on a 50-50 business partnership. And this was uh, around 09, oh, 2000, no, actually about probably um, end of, or, you know, might've been 2010. So I, I get the, I might not have the years exactly correct, but basically, um, had already been selling his pot and, you know, kind of knew what he was about and basically said, I could, I could turn this into a professional endeavor. And so we shook on it and uh, basically started as partners in business together. At that time, keep in mind, I had um, never heard of Gage Green. Um, and uh, when we were looking to come up with a, uh, uh, name for our company. Um, he said, how about let's work 
let's use gauge green. Uh, I have this project that, you know, that I had that that's that started, but, you know, needs a lot of work and, and maybe let's build this and start with work on this platform. And so I agreed. And um, basically we were 50, 50 on GGG from that day forward. Um, I uh, made the website um, at that, made the forums. And this was um, a really good idea at the time because basically he uh, started, well, well, we actually picked up a lot of members at the time and it was quite a community. A lot of the individuals who are leaders of the industry today, he, um, master cultivators, master breeders, um, incredibly relevant individuals were members of our forum back in um, 2010, 2011. And uh, so that was, that was, you know, part of the coming up, but yeah. Um, Maybe I should stop here and see where you're at and um, see what you'd like to hear me talk about, you know, more of. I, I am loving the story out of your words. That's the way I, that's why I left. I leave the time slot as long as it is because I enjoy and, and so do everybody else. The like, kind of little squirrels and, you know, where the natural story goes. If right. I kind of sit here and bombard with questions, it kind of just like sidelines the point, and you know what I mean, takes you from from the story. So I prefer to just let it naturally flow as it goes. You're doing a wonderful job, you know what I mean, so far of telling your journey. So I just sit here back and listen for the point being. And, but please smoke. Take time for a bong break and, you know, enjoy the story, my yeah, friend. <laughs> definitely. Yeah, I got this bong sitting in front of me. I don't know. It doesn't pick up as well on the screen, but um, yeah, I'm going to pack a bowl where I was like, uh, got me some of uh, the mass medical Poutang strain. And I also got some, um, some Gorilla Glue number four, which is, um, which are both like sativa dominant. And I figured with keep me up and chatty for the conversation while we um yeah just uh, while i tell the story thanks for kind of taking giving me the space and um being being an amazing host and yeah if you don't mind i guess i'll just continue with the story and while i take a bong rip and you can watch me cough and um yeah i'll talk about basically like the beginnings of ggg I, I honestly don't have the whole timeline written out, which I should have prepped, but I did go over it for the history of like Mendo breath. And so I've revisited this kind of history, not um, just, you know, about a month ago. And so I do have some of that, those ideas fresh. I'm actually sitting here with my, my team and my friends and um, they're hearing a lot of this for the first time too. Cause it's just, there's just so much, that has gone on that I haven't even thought of um, or gone back and revisited. So yeah, appreciate you giving, giving me this platform and hopefully uh, it's interesting and um, yeah, and I'll just continue. Right on while you hit that bong there, you know, I feel it's very important to kind of hear stories like yourself uh, 
uninterrupted and uh, told in your words just for documentation, if anything, you know, so much of cannabis history has already been lost. You know what I mean? So right. it's 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 time we start documenting, getting some of these, you know, great cannabis journeys that's led up to this point in cannabis history documented before so much of it is lost. If anything that's shown me that is losses of good friends and you know, like Subcool, we lost Bog, Frenchie. We've lost a lot of great people in the cannabis industry. And a lot of those stories have been lost. So good time to hear stories like yours you know well-respected breeders in the community uh so anytime you're ready man pick up after you're ready to you know yeah well i'd love to give you some flowers and thanks for the platform and um like i was telling you before the show i'd been watching since i met you at mendo in the mitten you were such an engaging individual and i appreciate you recording the talk and giving people a, a glimpse into to, you know, the Mendo breath history. But I also wanted to say that um, just watching a few of the episodes over the last few days and peeking into your lives, I noticed just the incredible quality of um, information and the depth of knowledge that your guests um, and, your, and your audience has about the industry about cannabis about growing about um natural farming about the science about the healing aspects all things that i inc vibe incredibly with that are like the foundation for this beautiful plant that um is everything that i represent um you guys talk about and and i so i was like wow what a breath of fresh air because i've been watching all this crap on youtube that is like made by people that haven't that were like that just started smoking weed and i'm like what happened to all the people that know shit like what happened to the people that know what i know and can give a perspective about cannabis from somebody who like fucking knows and there's a big difference and um so props to you and this your incredible uh lineup of guests and and audience for just being one of the true, I wouldn't say, I don't want to say last, because hopefully the first of like the vestiges of um, real cannabis knowledge that um, needs to, you know, flourish and um, needs to get out more into the mainstream in a way. So just enough so that people are no longer, are, are just have a real source for accurate knowledge and aren't dumbed down by um, the corporate stuff that's like, that's just so off base that um, I can't even, I can't watch it. And so, yeah, hopefully this starts a trend and you continue to do what you do and you inspire a movement of, you know, good YouTube content. So yeah, thanks for being here. And I'm glad to be here and to be a part of this. So I want to take a bong rip right now. I really appreciate those kind, kind words. Please do. You've earned it. You've earned it, my friend. <laughs> so no, we, is... I have, we do. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. You're no, the guest, please. Oh, I was no, just, just going to say, it. man. <laughs> Jinx. <laughs> I'm going to stop and I'm just going to let you say whatever you're going to say. 
I was going to just say, man, it is a beautiful time in cannabis where people are very open about what they're doing and how they're doing it without very little ego. You know what I mean? This is the way, oh, this is a new thing. You have to do this. They just kind of lay it out there. I'm doing this. And if you want to do it, go ahead and take some notes and run with it. If not, then cool. That's what uh, the beauty of, I think, of what's going on in cannabis right now. Amen. And I love the, the attitude of sharing and, and giving. And um, there's a, a open-mindedness in real smokers and growers that I can truly appreciate. I mean, when you, the more you learn, the more you discover how much you don't know and how much you could never truly understand everything, although you could try, but it's like, um, yeah, just uh, grateful to be here and have the support of amazing people. And um, what a beautiful industry and how like, and all the beautiful individuals and heroes and masters and artists and leaders that have come before us that have given their lives, um, given up their dreams and, and for, for, for us to be here today. Um, and, um, the list is, is incredibly long and I hope to be able to honor them in my words and my work and, um, everything I do as they've been, you know, allowed me to be who I am today and inspired me. So all the, all the breeders who come before me, Subcool and specifically being a, a true, um, trailblazer and um, creating the U.S. Uh, U.S. connoisseur seed boutique market um, single-handedly, in my opinion. So, yeah, cheers to all of these dudes and gals and, and everybody. <laughs> yeah. We call ourselves weed nerds. <laughs> so it's uh it looks like a nice a spool of hemp wick you got there yeah so actually i was going to mention these guys are um organic flame and uh, they've uh, graciously allowed us to work with them and to provide a line of Gage Green Group hemp wick. But their name is, they're called Organic Flame. And um, also shout outs to Beeline. Um, but this is some smooth shit. And uh, I'm really grateful for them. They're a local Michigan company, all organic beeswax and hemp line. And the, the fact is that it, like, you can barely, you, you can't taste it. It's super thin. It's very light. It doesn't mask or distort the taste of the bowl. And um, unlike a lot of the other hemp wicks, it's thin. Some of them come really thick and they just burn too harsh. So there's a lot of, just like, there's levels in glass. There's levels in genetics. <clears throat> Excuse me. There's also levels in hemp wick. And to put you on game, this is the best in the game right now. And um, 
it makes a big difference. I've put a lot of people onto hemp lines. Like even, I mean, I was smoking this when I was still smoking cigarettes and you could tell a difference. Um, another thing is, uh, well, yeah, we used to, I actually started smoking with these when I was in high school. <laughs> and it was like, um, I think it was B's, it was Beeline and Hemp Wick were the two brands that were, um, you would find at the shops and the hemp wick was super thick and we would have to like or you wouldn't have to but what we would end up doing is we would take it unspool it or unroll it and then split it off into like three or four different lines to get a smoother hit and that's what this is it's a smoother hit and um just love what these guys are doing um love it enough to put my name on it and to work with them so shout outs to organic flame yeah, and that was a super clean hit. I think there might be a little left in here. I appreciate a good bong rip these days. My older my older lungs just can't take them rigs anymore. <laughs> I have a lot of um exercises and techniques for how to not only dissolve the desire to cough um, but to also increase your lung capacity your ability to inhale larger amounts of smoke to amplify the potency and the effects of the smoke while it's in your um, diaphragm or lungs and how to channel it through your body and um, even how to ghost the hit so that no smoke comes out, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's all controlled by the mind. You are in control over every aspect of your body. And if your intention is to overcome something, I promise you, you could, if you put enough intention and willpower into it. I believe you. I believe you good, sir. I've come a long way in the last few years as far as like spirituality and stuff like that. Uh, it was the kind of right, right place, wrong place that kind of kicked it off, I guess, with a little bit of uh, accidental hero stokes with some mushrooms followed up with a good dose of uh, seeing angel numbers everywhere so mm. far that so so prevalent that you couldn't look away i couldn't look away you know what i mean everywhere i look one 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 two 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 they buried but they were always that number for that day oh, and for i sure. started going this is no this this is no no coincidence i've got to i've got to start paying attention to this and then even more so as I kind of turned into looking into or seriously into organics instead of like pumping dump soil, you know what I mean? Uh, finding more seriously about what microbes do in the soil and the relationship they have with us, the more oneness of it all has definitely sent me down a more mindful spiritual path within the last few years. Yeah, we're going to be here till 420. So <laughs> I definitely believe what you're saying, but 
no yeah it's like i that's that's what that's all i'm about um you know just talking to my friends about how the microbes um are the uh angels and the demons and um they can either bring your vibration higher or they can bring your vibration lower and uh just like um when you can see angel numbers everywhere you go um the opposite can be true and there's both like this high vibration and this dark vibration here on earth but when you're at cannabis cups or events where everybody is high on cannabis especially organic cannabis events the vibration is so high that you can't not smile do you know that feeling that's one thing i love about those events is that feeling right there uh, you know I, I, some of it has to do with the cannabis a lot of it is to do with the vibe but there's just something that practically carries you from the car to the gate <laughs> yeah it's 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 such a beautiful energy and it and it happens when our people are gathered together and it's um it happens every time and i i um it's that buzzing feeling that's just in your forehead and your just cheeks are are sore from fucking laughing with your friends and and just like um that's um that's the vibe that this i guess this plan is all about and i hope to be able to recreate and in our um through our our work and also through our events and um we plan on actually uh bringing the organic cup back to michigan um so more some details will be announced soon um but uh you know that's the that's the goal is to bring people together at a very high vibration where everything flows it's synchronic it's um or syncretic it's you know harmonious and um yeah like magic happens so yeah this is a beautiful plant um it's i've learned so much through it whether it be through health or through my own healing journeys of like transforming my body and my mind and to like simple things like this um smoking stuff and learning how to take bigger hits or just feeling the smoke in my in my body has allowed me to understand um deeper forms of meditation and also um the connectivity between meditation and or mind and body through you know the act of smoking and how it relates to um breath and breath work which is also known as qigong in chinese or qigong and basically which is the um study and um and uh art of breath and um how we talk about you know this mystical chi which is like all around us and everywhere and stuff which is really just the literal word for breath and air and gas in chinese and um when you learn and discover that the word spirit and which is the, obviously the root word of spiritualism and spirituality and all that is actually um comes from from the word spira which is breath and um like aspirate or um inspire and it all comes from breath 
and realizing that breath is the foundation to life and um, learning to control it or having intentional breath um, can have transformative um, uh, indescribable benefits. And, or I guess people have tried to describe them. Just look it up. But basically it's, uh, yeah, this is like what just cannabis can teach you. And I've learned so much from it. So yeah, going back to bong hits, I've, I love this stuff and, um, I'd love to take the time to someday teach you some of the things I've learned about the bong, bong hitting, um, techniques for, like I said earlier, how to hit it, hit a bong, take bigger hits, not cough, you know, all types of incredible things you can do with it as you channel it through your body to engage certain body parts and areas that need healing, et cetera. I'm always open to learn, you know, I, I try to learn something new every day, as you kind of pointed out earlier, you know, you, you can never really learn enough, you know what I mean? You, you, you don't, you're a wise man knows nothing, <laughs> in my opinion. Yeah, so, and you always meet somebody who like knows way more about something or even um, you find that like you learn so much from just every moment and and every new encounter and there and it should be always new revelations you know and that's what life should be about really i mean I ho hopefully it never ends it to be uh, in the way where like i never stop learning you know i completely agree you know uh that's uh, again kind of the back back to the cannabis and the knowledge that's being passed right now you know i, I i'm older i I'm, I'm just turned 50 to be honest with you so i could be one of those cats that got set in their ways of growing and not learning anything along my journey there but you know it'd be silly there's so much great information out there and from People like yourself that are, you know, a few years younger than me, that came into a world of knowledge that was, you know, more freely out there. And you guys kind of picked up the pieces of some great information, put it together and ran with it. There's always something to be learned everywhere you look, a different perspective, a different technique. And, you know, uh, <laughs> that's one of the things I love is, one of my favorite things is talking to newer people into cannabis or growing that that fire you know what i mean that they have the passion they have and, and i don't know there's just something that comes from that but uh, for sure for sure i love I it wanna, i, I want to get give the mic back to you <laughs> dude no i i appreciate you and um hearing your unique ex input and um i hope to learn more about you someday i know you you keep handing it back to me and i appreciate that um but yeah man you're a very interesting individual and um you've built something quite incredible here so yeah anyways thanks for having me yeah let me i'll get back to my story i guess <coughs> okay
So um, I start really building GGG, I guess, um, somewhere between 09, 2010 era. Um, I'm still in Berkeley on probation. Probation is crazy. So, oh my God. He's, they fucked me. So one thing I can tell you, oh man, there's so many names that are just coming to my head and I can't say them. <laughs> like, but like, um, just cause I don't want to hurt any feeling, anyone's feelings, you know, but the, but people really deserve to know. Well, anyways, so don't ever get a lawyer from the back of a High Times magazine. I love High Times and everything. I swear to God, they're cool as fuck. I've been to like every single cannabis cup in every single state um, until recently, until it all like changed. But like um, love the organization um, and what they've been able to do. But like, God damn, they have really bad recommendations in the back. And um, the lawyer that I got, so I was making decent money at the time, I guess. So I, and I definitely didn't want to tell my parents, like there was no way I was going to let them know that they're like, I was this close to getting kicked out of school <laughs> and um, being in jail forever or whatever. And like uh, that, um, and like, you know, it would just be like, I still love them enough to like have enough respect for them to try to, keep the bad shit away from them as much as I can. And um, so I was like, man, I'm going to try to handle this myself. I got some money in the bank. Um, and uh, what I ended up doing was uh, I paid for my own attorney. Uh, I had a credit card and I was able to, that I, I had started building my credit basically. Um, and so they, I had like a, you know, some credit and I used it. I called them. I was like, Hey, uh, I kind of got into some shit and I need a lawyer. Do you do cash advance for legal things? And they're like, or I was like, can I charge this for a lawyer? And they're like, um, no, well, no, they're like, what you could do is you could get a cash advance. And, um, basically I didn't know at the time that that was like a huge um, interest rate, <laughs> but so I did it anyways. I mean, it, it, I was going to probably have to do it anyways. I used my credit card. I got myself a high times lawyer, <laughs> um, a back of a high times lawyer. And um, she put me in this probation department that there were zero people in there for weed. It was the Oakland County like diversion thing for basically drug felons or whatever. And like uh, under a certain age and um, everyone was in there for crack and meth and heroin and like um, hood as fuck. And I was like, dude, why the fuck am I here for one Okay, did I tell you it was for an A? Anyways, like 
they fucking threw the book at me but you know what maybe maybe it had to be done whatever the case may be i was uh put on probation and basically uh that fucking killed school for me right like so that was i basically stopped drinking i was like 19 or 20 um i stopped drinking i stopped going out to parties i stopped like hanging out with friends because pretty much they took all my free time from me um i had to do like some like 50 or 80 probably 50 hours of community service a week i was supposed to be like a part of i was supposed to be working for working <coughs> um oh <clears throat> and then i had a drug test uh i didn't test clean for like three months and i really actually stopped smoking and um eventually i tested clean and that's like like some clock starts from that point on or i don't know but anyways like um shit we're gonna talk about my past oh man like i don't really even know if i should be talking about this on because it's like yeah no i'm not gonna talk about all that um but basically let's just say let's just say fair enough let's just say even though i had a drug test i smoked the entire time and i still didn't get caught um and i'm grateful that i didn't because if i did that would have sent me right back to motherfucking jail for sure and um would have really really fucked up my school and my work and everything i was working towards but thank god i didn't get caught would i recommend it no um but um let's during this time i learned a significant amount of information about how to increase your metabolism so that you could smoke and burn off or have no residual um no thc metabolites in your system uh in a short amount of time and with accuracy based on um how i held my body uh certain postures uh certain uh, exercises and different things that i did to actually turn me from like kind of a fat body to more of a leaner um like physique because I out of necessity. What I discovered was fat or THC deposits into your deposits into your fat, the THC, the THC metabolites. And um, if you don't have fat, there's nowhere for them to go. End of story. So um, I learned how to eliminate fat. I learned how to increase my resting metabolic rate, let's just say, in a way that um yeah, allowed me to smoke and then and then also test clean.
oh, anyways, let, let me just keep going, I guess. Yeah, I'm just telling the story. Um, <laughs> but um, I've been uh, I've been getting drug tested since um, high school. And something I didn't talk about was, you know, after getting caught and um, arrested and just getting a lot of fucking stupid sh trouble, um, unnecessary trouble, often oftentimes um, caused by drinking, but and but and a mixture of bad decisions um something i wouldn't want to relive and i would do smarter um but uh yeah i got arrested a lot but i also got put on like the school basically told my mom that she had to drug test me and um force forced me to go to narcotics anonymous um in high school and so i went to narcotics anonymous in the same building that I went to preschool at. That's how fucked up this is. Like, um, <laughs> that was like the nearest fucking meeting spot for the NA meeting. And it was at um, my my preschool. <laughs> I, didn't, I hadn't been there since preschool and I never intended to go back. Um, it's fucking ironic how life is. But um, ended up back there kind of meeting all these dope heads and people who are like hooked on hard drugs and shit um i was there for weed again oh but this was in high school right a anyways so i'm used to the whole drug testing thing um i have never been tested positive for weed except for after i got arrested and i was trying to get clean i was tested dirty and then like i said it took like three or over three months but um, but then after that, I never got tested positive again. During one of the times, like after I got tested, I ate a thousand milligram edible from um that I got from one of the Oakland clubs, and um, that was a bad idea. And that was the only time I ever like that. I well, I definitely OD'd on pot that day, and um going from having no cannabis in your system to having a thousand milligrams is like uh, a roller coaster. And I can see why, you know, some people have crazy experiences their first time um, because of just that increase in like dosage or whatever. But yeah, anyways, um, because I was, I was on probation and it was killing my college career pretty much, not career, but my the whole experience was shitty and i was like when can i end this and so they're like you know this is pretty much going to keep going until you graduate and i'm like no fucking way and um at this time i was already doing uh started gauge green group and um basically the, at that time i was supposed to be the business side of gauge green group and uh key play was the um grow uh aside and we were doing edibles hash flower genetics and the whole shebang um and uh that's what gauge green group gauge green gourmet gauge green gardens um uh and gauge green gallery were designed to be and uh i put the group in there and i was like that that makes you know because at first it was just gauge green genetics and i'll go into the story about how gauge green genetics starts um, it was very interesting, but, um, 
basically I was uh just uh I was told that the probation was uh gonna go until fucking I graduated and I was like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. And um luckily I had um done pretty good in school and packed on the uh credits because I heard that some people could do like, you know, whatever it was, like 18 credits a semester or more. And uh, and I heard that that was possible. So I did it like one or two semesters. I just packed it on. And um, because I did that, uh, I was able to actually figure out a way to graduate early and a whole semester early. So I graduated in 2011 instead of 2012 with all my friends. And um, would I have done that had I not been on probation? No, because <laughs> it's it's school's a good time if you're not um, in the system. But uh, I got out early because I wanted to graduate from being on drug tests every month and basically like kind of being in in a. Yeah, and all that. So, um, yeah, during this time, I was volunteering. Um, I was doing internships. Uh, actually, an interesting internship I did at the time was um, in intellectual property. I mean, because I needed uh, community service hours, so I ended up just getting internships instead of work um, or whatever. Um, and basically uh, worked for an intellectual property law firm and had just got a lot of incredible experience about IP, um, which has become very relevant in my world and um, job today. And so uh, that was cool and I'm grateful that I was able to do that. But um, yeah, I graduated early in 2011 and uh, started um, working on GGG full-time um during that time is kind of around the time when the whole like mendo breaths story saga starts so you guys could watch that story um on the youtube um but that just gives glimpses of this journey but basically like um it starts around now which is when um between 2011 and 2012 is I would say when I met uh, NorCal IC Mag, and um, I mean meet a lot of cool people around this. You know, doing 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 what I do, um, being on the internet, um, starting the to bring the company that we were building to the forefront. I was able to go to a lot of shows, meet a lot of people um, during that time. Um, a lot of a lot of breeders there's some that are still around today and um they uh but norcal i would say was the kind of like was a huge was a huge influence on our trajectory i guess in terms of like the ogkb legacy and we all know if if you watch the mendo in the mitten um history uh that i do 
that that I go over. It's um, you know, it starts from when I meet NorCal, and this was when I was staying at um my apartment in um West Berkeley, and so I meet <clears throat> I meet NorCal through one of my apartment mates, Matt, who was uh, a rock climber and friends with um, some of my friends and he was staying with them. So I uh, start kind of engaging with NorCal through Matt. Cause like Matt basically was bringing this really, really chronic um, flower, uh, and uh cookies and you know we had grown we had seen cookies we had seen um had already been working with cherry pie from um Sirius and uh had uh already started like basically being exposed to the that kind of world but um nothing like what I was seeing from Matt and uh not only was it well grown i knew it was all well incredibly well grown but um it was the genetics that were different and um so i basically hit him up through matt and i, I told matt to reach out to norcal for me and tell him who i was and um he's like he's like yeah norcal will will you know or here's his number or whatever i hit up norcal so matt was trimming for norcal he was going over the bay bridge uh like once or twice a week trimming for norcal and coming back with handfuls and handfuls of cannabis um he ended up being fired for stealing and i can't i can neither confirm nor deny whether he was or not just because he never revealed that fact um to me but he always had some chronic and i just assumed that um like norcal was hooking him up because he was trimming and um and he always like packed these fat bowls and we would get really i get really stoned off of it so anyways i hit up norcal and i was like hey um we should we should work together i got to know him um move i kind of moved from the berkeley apartments over to high street in oakland um in around 2012 and during this time i'm still like hooked up with i'm still doing the gauge green thing um but at this time i'll go into more of that later but i'm already do, i'm pretty much like um running the entire operation um uh going taking trips down to la and bringing back the fire because yeah norcal has amazing selection but the creepiest flower the the best weed in my opinion was always in la and uh so i would bring genetics up from la um my boy danny my boy dash my boy um scott um mm, uh, russian assassin boys 
Um, trying to think if there was anyone else like worthy of um, shouting out that like basically brought a lot of early genetics and it, I put a lot of early genetics into my hands that um, built a lot of what we were able to build um, once I kind of like started taking over um, the kind of like the breeding and growth, which was honestly not a part of the deal. And at the, I remember like within a couple months, it kind of became clear that I wasn't just going to do the business. I was there to do everything. And I, um, at first complained, I will acknowledge and, um, or like, you know, wasn't too happy with it, but it was, uh, worth, worth, it was worthwhile. And, um, it's made me basically able to build what I've built up to today. And I'm actually extremely grateful for the opportunity and, um, to have, um, been forced into actually somewhat of an abusive environment that, um, allowed me to, um, go within in a sense and develop who like, like certain skill sets that kind of may or, um, may have, uh, kept me alive during that time let's just say <laughs> in one way or another but um but let's just say that without me doing everything um in in my opinion it would have continued to be a disaster and a lot of failed um opportunities um i was able to turn a lot of things around, catch a lot of issues. See, at this time, we were coming from an era where the majority of growers were using chemicals um, and a variety of them throughout, you know, early flower or whatever, all throughout veg to fix their issues, having um, fungal root issues, bug issues. Um, and I'm not saying just um the operation that i moved into but but the whole industry and um a lot of people didn't understand um the the organic science i guess behind things so i will say thanks thanks to the internet um being one of my mate uh, a huge teacher um we were able to turn everything around and um ended up producing some cannabis that was even higher quality than what was before. I will not um, say that the flower that um, was being produced wasn't bomb. It was, um, it, the genetics were incredible. And um, I just took it to another level, let's just say. So um, we ended up building um, relationships with Harborside and Oaksterdam and um, Organic Can and um, the Green Door and um, a few a few other dispensaries out there that basically uh, moved my flower. Um, I was uh, one of the I produced basically the top shelf flower for Harborside 
um, produced clones and um, brought our seeds over there. Um, and so met a lot of the early crew there. It's um, since transformed and I haven't been there in a while since moving out of California, but um, was like an active member of Harborside um, from, from like that 2011, 2012 era. They were really, really good to us. Um, shout out Jeremy and um, all the amazing folk. Um, but yeah, anyways, that, that was like a cool, cool experience, basically like, um, that, uh, that, yeah, I got kind of thrust into a position where I learned how to grow from scratch, but also had to kind of like, I don't know. I mean, I, I honestly don't have um words to describe kind of like some of the negativity i experienced but if i were to say the positives i gained out of it is that um it made it every experience that i had um working with key play in you know throughout my journey um, has helped make me who I am today. And, um, I don't, I don't, um, regret really any of it, but at the same time, like, um, you know, I really wish it had gone another way or had been different. Um, and that I would say that at that time I approached, I wasn't as good of a judge of character maybe as I am now. And as um, a 19 year old, I maybe did not stand up for myself as much as I should have or didn't have as, you know, um, uh, a way of um, kind of defending myself. But I was able to um, have a lot of creative expression um and uh did a lot and i would say um also learned a lot during my the entire experience um saw the ins and outs of the industry got to take an existing um house and with a large basement and garage and um outdoor area and turn and produce magic out of there um basically was given control over all of it and allowed to do a lot i mean honestly i'm very respectful to my partners and anybody i work with i always get their approval or their um understanding so like we're always working together um and that's uh something that like I just, it didn't necessarily go the other way, come the, like happen the other way around, but I would still like make do with what I had and I made the most of it. Um, but uh, yeah, anyways, moving on, I was able to actually meet this guy who 
um, gave me the opportunity to run a facility in Oakland, in East Oakland, um, on it, like international. And this is, this is definitely the, the hood. And, um, we did a lot of early selection of the grateful breath, Mendo breath work there, um, completely built out this building, um, from, uh, like beginning to end and, uh, made like, um, yeah, did our selection there, had a flower there. Um, unfortunately it got broken into after, um, a couple rips and, um, this was kind of the end of my Oakland career. We, um, during this time I, I had written an article for skunk magazine called, um, forget what it's called but it's about basically um farming with beneficial microbials and we write an article about basically microbe life's photosynthesis plus product product um in it at um we describe and uh benefits of purple bacteria and mycorrhizae and other you know biologicals using them in the soil um, on the leaf surface, um, for all types of benefits, um, as you probably are aware now. Um, and at the time I had more of a scientific understanding and it was more like, um, you know, the, um, water retention, the, uh, defense against pathogens, um, certain things like benefit, um, pro photosynthetic purple bacteria is that they actually um, photosynthesize light and give excess light from the soil surface and help um, enhance the the processing of um, or the metabolism I guess of um, light energy in on the leaf surface and um, are also great for bioremediation and um, I believe from like is is an incredible biological uh organism that also is symbiotic with human beings and um so anyways we wrote this article um well i wrote this article and um and it was uh published and given like a you know a big nice spread and basically um it caught the attention of the Emerald Cup, who was partnering with Skunk at the time. Um, and uh, we ended up getting a speaker position at the Emerald Cup. Um, at, the, at that Emerald Cup, and I believe this was 2011, um, this was the last Emerald Cup at the Mateel Center um, before they moved it to Santa Rosa. And basically we were like, just, um, or anything. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we talked about beneficial biology and, um, and the benefits of like, uh, seed benefits to growing and seed breeding and kind of like, um, my pitch, which is how it benefits our breeding and helps with the, um, epigenetic expression of plants and uh is honestly the only obviously the only way to grow cannabis um 
well not the only way well i don't know why we even say that because we already said earlier that there's no only way but it's uh my way <laughs> and um the um purple bacteria well growing with biology is one way but it's it's my way and i love it um would i choose any other way probably not um just because of what i know and what i've experienced and all the cannabis that i've smoked and um and i'm grateful to have found this method of just complete like biology and organic and nature but um yeah like plant but um yeah so i respect a lot of a lot of growers and and organizations that actually aren't necessarily organic but have taken cannabis to extreme heights and um done some like major major work in just showcasing genetics and expression and even like maintaining genetics and um there's there's incredible growers of all um aspects of growing let's just say that so um but yeah you know from the very beginning i um i guess uh let's just say Jeff and I agreed that we were going to move in an organic direction and um, learn to be 100% as organic as we could. And um, uh, at the time, we were going to, um, we were, we were seeing the kind of like rise of whole foods and organics and um just like it it made sense as um i both of us were experiencing health benefits through um kind of like changing our diets to organic food and so that transition as well as um increasing the supplements that i was in taking as well as taking um, more, uh, let's just say, biologically active plants um, and incorporating them into my diet had incredible effects on my um, physiology and mental and physical and was actually stripping me of lifelong diseases. Um, I will, I will 100%, um, I definitely want to mention to everyone that like, um, I was born with a lot more illnesses and quote unquote diseases that I currently no longer suffer from and have um, completely found ways to transform the shape and structure of my body internally and externally so that I could, I could at least um, eliminate the majority of the ailments that I grew up with and things that I thought and were to was told by the medical industry um, were never going to, were either, they didn't have a answer to, or that the only, their only answer was medication. And um, obviously none of their treatments ever worked. And um, only when I basically started to 
um, be on my own. And I stopped getting like um, flu shots and um, going to the doctor because honestly, like I didn't have my parents around me to like take me places and, and force me to do certain things. I basically was the healthiest I ever was. And, um, and then as I basically incorporated some of the knowledge that I was developing through organic gardening um, and operating the garden and seeing how you can turn a completely, okay, let's just say I know how to turn a dead plant around um in every single way whatsoever i've almost um never failed uh bringing old genetics back bringing um disease genetics um you know at the time there was a lot of trading going on and everyone had every disease well i know through that experience um and through that era how to do it a hundred percent organically i know how to eliminate and how to um take care of the garden and and heal any plant and see it to perfection right and so i think most gardeners at this point can can do that as well and it's like and the knowledge is is out there and we're not like in that 2010 2011 era where like it was um it was like bad for a minute and um and luckily that was also the time when uh we we uh, were able to um, spread some of the probiotic natural healing or natural farming ideas and technology to like our friends and family and people in the community, which through the skunk article, through our Emerald Cup talk, which was on their YouTube for the longest time and then got taken down or it's just no longer there. Um, but it'd be cool to see it. Like it was like, just so early um in my career and like you know it was like powerpoint format someone was like you know it was a good talk but it kind of sounded like like a college dissertation i'm like yeah i'm in college dude shut the fuck up anyways um but yeah so like i mean i was i'm kind of a nerd you know and like i do things my way and like going to um the emerald triangle and these are people who haven't been out of the woods for 20 years you know um a lot of people who were coming out to the, those emerald cups had nowhere else to go all year and this was the only time and it just started to where they felt comfortable enough to leave their like plantations that were you know there was like a hundred more like just hidden up in the woods and like you would have to drive past a ton of windy roads and almost for an hour to reach some of these properties and um the emerald cup was a way of bringing them all to one place and it was an amazing experience and these are some of the oldest heads ever right and like um i met just like the soul of the industry in many ways and um met like uh lawrence ringo actually at my first emerald cup and he was uh, to the right um, of my booth. And um, that was cool. Um, also met um, Ken Estes at my first Emerald Cup. Met um, Dungeon Vault. Met um, uh, 
you know, Kevin Jodry and and uh, Meta, my partner in um, Grokashi. I met um, uh, Leo from Aficionado. I met his wife, um, rest in, or his girlfriend at the time. I'm not sure if they were married, but rest in peace. She she recently passed, and it was an incredible tragedy. And um, there's a uh, just a lot of good people, right? Like Bog that you mentioned was was uh, at all the early Emerald Cups. Um, I ended up meeting. I don't know if um, well, yeah. I don't know if he came out then, but um, like CSI Humble ended up being a regular at a lot of those shows that went out in Mendo. And um, yeah, just a lot of cool cats. I can't really um, think of all of them. <laughs> but yeah, like uh, that was the that was the early crew. And I, I actually was invited to be um, part of the planning committee and um, saw a lot of the planning and um, of Emerald Cup. And just like it was... Uh, just incredible experience to to meet just like the forefathers and, and founding members of the emerald cup and like tim blake and his family and they put so much love and and hard work into that like it, it was their whole life and um and i'm just grateful to have been a part of it and i it's i will say it's um definitely an inspiration for the organic cup and um what we've been doing out here in the Midwest and um, part of like just that, that grassroots organic vibe, um, even though the Emerald cup was more of like an outdoor um, and not so not necessarily organic. Um, I don't think there was that rule there, but it was still like just an amazing event. And so that's what the organic cup pretty much is somewhat, somewhat modeled after, except it is um, all organic as that's like my, my niche, I guess. Um, but, uh, spoke at the Emerald cup. Um, then we, uh, actually I part, I, um, we, we start, um, talking business with the guy who, who, who I would definitely admit was quite impactful in, in my journey. Um, and we had some good talks, well, a lot of good talks, and we both had um, uh, shared interests in in like um, no one get yeah in, in a lot of in in a lot of like um, things such as like microbial knowledge and and different things like that. We um, formed the Grokashi um, company together. It was a project that um, he had started working on that I basically um, picked up for him and basically kind of like what I did with um, Keyplay was take an existing kind of hobby and turn it into a business for him and his wife. And um, we, I built Grokashi, uh, the brand made. And by the way, the reason why I thought it was interesting to bring it up was because i did hear you and your guests talking about grokashi and um during one of the previous podcasts and he was um talking about how it's like really nice and um doesn't feel like any other bokashis and is um i think he was uh referring it referring to it as granulated sugar 
Um, and then I like commented that, oh, it's not actually um, granulated sugar. It's, um, it's, uh, dry, it's just dried wheat bran, red wheat bran. Um, but it is uh, perhaps sourced uh, differently and dried perhaps to a drier moisture level, which is why um, it feels different. So anyways, the, um, I helped found, basically like get that company off the ground and I um, gave him and he gave me equity. Me and Jeff received 20% equity in that company on paper, um, which uh, I still have somewhere. And basically he's, uh, I, I got him, I built him a website, um, introduced all the, my, my community to the product and introduced um, my tester group as the first testers for the product. And we created um, what's now known as the PFA or the Probiotic Farmers Alliance, which, you know, I mean, at this point, like, I'm, I don't really mind talking about it or anything. It's the, it's, it's a sore, it's a sore subject to me because I actually created that group and, um, gave the idea to, I guess the group or our, our company to create that. And, um, me and, um, Alan, who's my partner in Grokashi, just hard, like not saying his name. It's, um, he, uh, and I were the admins of that group and, uh, it grew exponentially and, um, laid the foundation for what I would say is, um, foundational in the industry, I guess, or basic knowledge now, which is, um, you use biologicals or beneficials to eliminate um pest mold uh and other and to have uh the best organic growth like essentially like i said so this is why i said it was the only way and it's not and growing with microbials is not the only way as we know because there's tons of people that grow sanitary salts and even pharmaceutical or or um pesticide but what i say is that when you use um you when you grow organically you got to use microbials and you have to use beneficials like it just doesn't work sanitary right or sterilized as we know um chlorine water or certain things will kill the micro microbe life and kind of affect your ability ability to uptake organically anyways um that's why i meant that's what i meant um but uh so we so we laid the foundation for um, natural farming, I would say, because we took some of the early ideas that Alan had learned from um, Eddie Lepp's farm and um, um, a lot of the early founders of growing with, um, I guess, like lactobacillus and different different cultures to have incredible, incredible growth. And this is obviously rooted in natural healing and um, Korean natural farming and um, uh, what's it called? Biodynamic farming and um, all the sorts, right? But basically that knowledge was um, given to me 
through Alan and um I and all, of course like I was tapped into it as I was already like you know writing about it but the the idea was that like um it was like how do we spread this knowledge because nobody knows what this product is and um Grokashi Bokashi was the first product to create like a thick white fuzz on the soil surface and um all those pictures you see on the website that whole website which is like half like not even working or whatever it is i don't even know if that company is still up to be honest i haven't talked to the guy in like over 10 years but or maybe maybe around 10 years yeah because no I, I like i probably um knew him about i stopped talking to him about 2013 2014 i think maybe 2014 so it hasn't even been has been about eight years but i so i don't really know the the status of the business or if it's still operating the last i heard he transferred after i called him out on um not honoring his word and his equity and never paying me a single dime he gave me some bullshit about having no money and the next thing i heard he transferred the company to eddie lepp who had been like one of his um, mentors and of course at that point i was like you know what i i fuck it i'm not even gonna like worry about it i'm sure that was his intention but i just had um moved on way way long ago but um but it's worth mentioning because it is part of the history so um after about the emerald cup in 2011 i think we move to um mendo and uh live in um priest daniel's house and uh daniel was a rastafarian priest who lived in willets and he um gave me he he allowed us to stay there basically gave us his sold us his grow for like, I think it was like 12K and uh, ended up, it was just a rental house, but it was a rental from someone who was really chill. And basically like we helped Daniel move out of his house. He was in Africa um, um, studying and we moved out, moved him out into a storage unit and basically stayed in his house which at one point was like a rastafarian retreat like grow house slash like natural retreat and it was pretty cool because there was a beautiful um there's beautiful uh greenhouses in the back um built raised beds there was um light deprivation greenhouse all built out there was like two grow rooms above one above the other in this big huge garage that he had built out himself and it was like it was an incredible feat and totally worth the money um uh i enjoyed i really enjoyed my time there grew out a lot of flowered basically like did all the outdoor i could ever freaking dream of all the light depth i could ever dream of pulled tarps early in the morning waking up um pulling those tarps every day twice a day is like incredible tremendous work something that these guys out in mendo do 
um, way larger operations. Like obviously not all of them are doing this by hand, but at one point it was, you know, and it was like, it's some heavy duty lifting, let's just say, and, um, incredible, fun, uh, incredibly fun at this time. Um, I was, uh, teaching at, um, peace and wellness in Sebastopol, which is one of the first dispensaries out there. Um, kind of continuing to spread the knowledge on natural farming, um, was like met a lot of incredible people and kind of doing the, the outdoor life and, um, uh let's see at this time at that time i had uh when by the time i moved to mendo it was such an open house that i had stopped making bho so that's like something i didn't really talk about but like while we were in oakland um blasting um i did i was like uh, i was actually taught by a really really an incredible individual who need to um, get back in touch with his name's jerry but he taught me the basics the fundamental actually he taught me everything i needed to know about how to open blast in um like 2010 2011 ish and basically like that's what i was doing for key play as it as it needed it um I was doing it for NorCal as he had um, tons and tons of just material and trim and bomb shit sitting around. Um, and so then I was doing like running batches for all types of people. Then going, I was going up to Mendo. Um, uh, one time, actually, when we were starting the Grokashi project, before I got, um, before I moved up to Mendocino, um, while I was living in Oakland, I I was in Big Al's. I was checking out glass, and there was like this dude in there that was checking out. It was getting glass as well. I'm trying to think if it was Big Al's, but I think it was. And I was like, he was getting glass, and you know, you just know when somebody is in the industry at a level that most people aren't, right? And so I was like how he was like, what do you do? And I was telling him about what I do. And, um, I might've been picking up a case of butane or something. Um, like at the time, um, I was getting a lot of that shit. Um, and, uh, he was like, he was like, that probably was what started the subject. I don't remember, but anyways, he, he was like, uh, telling me about his farm up in humble and, um, all the shit. And, well, that guy ended up, so I ended up doing, I was like, so you got trim um, or like out, you know, just product or whatever. At that time, like, I, th I think it was, we were just getting his trim and um, he was like, uh, yeah, I got some trim or whatever. Um, you should come up and visit. And so I actually go up and visit and that's where we get our, one of our SMV cuts and um he is supposedly uh, half of the breeder of sage. He says, like he, I don't know how it worked out between. Was it Adam Dunn, who who bred supposedly bred the sage or whatever? I don't actually know any of the story, but basically he was like, I don't know if he was partners with Adam or some at, or whoever bred that strain at one point, and then um, had a falling out or just isn't really recognized. And then he also had, um, uh. The dude, 
Mandelbrot seeds, um, like the Royal Kush, um, Emerald Harvest or something, genetics that we got from him in like the old school bags. And um, so anyways, like I went, me, me and Keyplay drove up to visit him to get his trim and um, just meet him and check out his grow or whatever. Pretty cool, um, pretty sick operation um, out, in, out in the woods. I don't know where, he, I forget, um, like near Eureka or something. It was a long trek. And he was like, um, we got there and we're like, all right, yeah, like uh, we'll take the weed or we'll take the trim or whatever. Here's the money. He was like, or showed us a shit, whatever, gave it, we got, traded him some stuff. And then he was like, oh, here it is. And it was like sitting in bins. And uh, at that point, we had already smoked up and oh, and he had made he had like made some BHO with the stuff and like we were dabbing it and shit. That was so fucking high. And but anyways, like it was all in bins. and I was like, what the fuck? We're not going to take these in open bins. And he's like, yeah, uh, sorry. Like he's like, I don't really have anything to put them in. And I'm like, you don't have th- like turkey bags or something. And he's like, no, like, well, we have food saver or these like, tur- you know, rolled up rolls of like the um, seal air seal bags or whatever. And so what we ended up doing was packing the 20 pounds of trim into like two, like five foot man sized um, long rolls of like sealed bags or whatever. In this in this process, we're just stuffing the weed, just trying to get all the weed in there. And um, high as fuck is all I remember. And um, basically, we got it all stuffed in these two bags, twenty pounds, sealed it up. You can you can weigh it out like stuff it yourself, weigh it out, and tell me if it's twenty pounds. It's like four and a half feet. And then like, but basically, he was like. Um, we sealed it up and we threw it in this black heart contractor bag, tied it up, threw in the back of the SUV and took off. And before leaving, he handed me a handful of weed without a bag. And I just stuffed it in my like, um, I just stuffed it in my like snowboarding jacket or whatever I had on in the shirt pocket and sealed it up and just called it a day. We got in the car and left. Um, worst idea ever because somewhere along the 101 before we even hit mendo in the redwood forest um we get pulled over and the cop comes up to the shotgun window and he's like you know what have you guys been doing and we're like oh yeah or he's like where are you guys from first of all like he probably sees um well i don't know what he sees (laughs) he he probably um was just wondering he shines he shines his light on me and we are stoned as fuck. Like my eyes get super bloodshot when I smoke. I should smoke another hit actually. But basically like, um, I was like, uh, he, I was like, we were just up here visiting a friend talking business about a business. He's like, what business? And I was like, well, actually we're starting a, um, uh, natural farming, you know, organization and we're promoting healing and, um, use of organics in the soil. And he's like, Oh, and and he's like, well, well, what's that? And he points at my sh- my shirt or my jacket, and it's covered in weed just all over. And there's like parts of weed sticking out of the pocket. And I'm like, oh shit! I'm like, I'm like, oh sorry, sir. Like, 
my friend just gave me some really good cannabis and I didn't know where to stick it. And I was like, but I have a medical card if that helps. And of course, Jeff's just over there, like fucking shaking his ass off, shaking or whatever. And um, I, he was like, uh, and then he shines his light in the back. And um, there's like the little clone, uh, the, the SFE clone that the guy give, gave us. There's a few bags of Bokashi from a previous meeting that we had regarding Bokashi um, with Alan. And then um, there was uh, the 20 pounds of trim in the black bag looking like a dead body um, in the trunk, just sitting there, not covered by a single thing. And there was nothing else in the whole car in the trunk. And um, he's like, what's what's in the black bags? I was like, oh, that's just the Bokashi. And I pointed at the gold bag back there. And I was like, we're developing this fermented grain product. And basically it's like, you know, good for your soil. And we came up here to get it so that we could bring it back to the Bay to start demonstrating it and blah, 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 blah. He's like, all right, have a good day. And literally um, that was the one of the, like, that was like crazy moment. Cause you don't want to get caught with 20 pounds of trim, no matter where you are even in california you know like it's just not good people go people unfortunately do um ridiculous amounts of time for things like that and um looking back honestly i'm just like just grateful for having even made it this far um for having like having had experiences like that and getting by um getting out of them has like it's not something like I take for granted, let's just say. And I, I don't, I don't, you won't catch me with 20 pounds in the back anymore, ever. You know what I mean? Like, it's just dumb as fuck. Anyway, so um, the, uh, uh, yeah, so Mendocino is good. That was before we moved to Mendocino. But anyways, Mendo was good. Met a lot of cool cats. Um, basically, so many um we met so many people like we started meeting you know a lot of the like southern oregon people and um had a lot of help uh during that time from the whole community in that area met a lot of cool people from oregon which uh i love that community um and it actually drew me so much that um after mendocino um we decided to move to eugene because there was a commercial operation that one of our friends' friends was starting and they were interested in kind of using our strains and brand and whatever, right? So I, I was going to consult with them and basically run the whole grow, teach them how to do it organically and all that. I mean, um, yeah. Well, turned out the guy was, was uh, really not stable. And uh, but during my time in Eugene, I met some very stable individuals and um, had an incredible time. Like I was just telling my, my friend that there's a lot of freaking um, like Eugene is so organic that everywhere you look, you see kombucha. That's how organic it is. It's at every gas station, you know, like they have, um, they have stuff that I can eat at every gas station. Let's just say that there's not a single thing I can drink or eat except water here 
in Michigan at the gas stations. So that's the difference, right? And it's pretty freaking crazy, like how different these worlds can get. The water there is unfluoridated. The um, people there are like a whole nother world compared to Michigan. And it's like, it's so it's I just love I love the dynamics. Um, I love kind of having been there kind of got that NorCal like um, hippie education and then like transported myself eventually because of that whole falling out with the commercial facility um, transferring my operation to Michigan and um, in during this process this was around 2014 when um, the operation is moved to Michigan around 2012 to around 2013 to 2014 um, was when I was working in Washington and I touch this touch on this a little bit in the Mendo and the Mitten but basically uh, we work with uh, Mr. Spliff of Cannabis to do a few breeding projects uh, in one of his facilities as well as um, pheno hunting and um, and he was a wholesale distributor of my genetics and I gave him at least 30k invoiced seeds he's the only person no I can think of at least four but he's one of the most agreed egregious um individuals that has not paid for invoice seeds like usually people like when they gets to that point they've like they're like yeah well i'll pay like they pay 99 percent of the time well like spliff owed me like 30k and ended up taking 30k in seeds i gave him all the genetics um i gave him all the clones um because it, I, because I trusted him, and he's uh, very, very, very kind, friendly, and manipulative, um, like so many people in this industry, and uh, whatever. I just had um, a lot of faith in him, and I uh, extended a lot of liberty and also um, opportunity to him that normally I wouldn't. Any other people, like they're, yeah. And so what ended up happening was he took the Mendo breath strains that um, some that we co-pheno hunted and some that we had made in his facility or a facility that we set up especially for um, some of these breed projects. Um, he, I don't know um, what he was thinking, but he ended up, luckily did give it give me um some of the seeds but he ended up taking i guess stealing the majority of the seed stocks seed stock that was made taking um all the seed stock that i ever gave him for wholesale orders and as gifts and um ended up starting a company called frost city genetics that if you look do your own research has no history prior to working with me has um most likely very murky origins in terms of breeding providence providence or provenance because the majority of the genetics are mendo breath hybrids that were renamed into like random things and i'm not against renaming and being creative for um creative creativity sake or or just having fun but at the end of the day theft is theft right and like i think that um we have to have 
respect for each other to in order to be a community we have to understand the the difference between right and wrong and um treating other people the way we would like to be treated i mean i think the, this is foundational for a community and then i also think that um uh there are such things as uh predatory breeding and uh predatory business practices even within cannabis well especially within cannabis i'm sure you can think of many but even within like the industry of seed genetics and and nutrients and all types of stuff it's a there's a way to be harmonious and then there's a way to be predatory and um i think due to the success that i've had in in this industry i've been and of, of course taking i think a lot of people take kindness for weakness um having seen me you know kind of open myself up to the community in um certain ways like i want to have an artistic expression right and like a lot of people see that as crazy or or uninformed or unscientific or simply unwanted and of course i like to do what people don't want me to do or or like i like to po um, push buttons and um i like disruptive technology i love um uh new and inventive ideas and uh and yeah it's it makes people uncomfortable at times it makes me a target but but um you know that's like kind of like my role in the industry and and what i've had a lot of fun doing but anyways um creativity is all good but um you know being predatory is a different thing and i've i've been the target of uh predators um i'm sure there's some in the comment section um i'm absolutely sure uh because i've because it happens every time and um i'm uh i'm a real human being i'm like uh i i have you know feelings and and concerns like everyone else but i'm also really 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 good at what i do and um people hate that um and I love it. So it's a uh, it's an honor to be able to put my best work and and see results. Um, to uh, be able to make connections that are new and innovative and disruptive, and um, the experiences make me a better person. So I'm there's nothing that I regret, and I'm just grateful for every part of this journey. But don't be a predator and um, be kind, help help other people out, um, make other people better, lift other people up, um, shout other people out, um, encourage them, support their endeavors, their um, projects, give them give them honor, respect and and um, encourage to pursue their dreams uh, rather than the opposite. And then, of course, um, try not to take, but to add and give. And if you do, you will receive. But if you take, you're just hurting, and and um, and then it'll lead to other people taking from you. So, like, what I think is, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just, uh, anyway. So, like, predatory breeding exists. Um, I do believe in the very near future um the word is that 
federal compliance will require um, intellectual property uh, assignments that um, will give intellectual property privileges to um, the real holders of genetics, um, people that found the, the plant out of the dirt of the land in the wild and created essentially like a lot of, you know, the work we see today. And, um, you know, I'm grateful to have been able to breed with other people's work without a doubt. Um, I think that's oftentimes an argument as to like, why, um, why can he complain about what other people are doing um, with his work when he has used the work of other people? And um, I think the the a good reference is art, and there's um, a difference between referencing and stealing, or um, paying homage to, and um, shitting on. And um, if you don't know the difference, then you're a fucking idiot. So don't tell me you don't know the difference. Just um, stop being a punk. You know what I mean? And that's like what I think a lot of people are not um, making that distinction. Maybe the the music is encouraging them to be like um, different, but this plant is should be about community. So I, I do try my best to encourage and support other artists in the industry other brands in the industry. I like putting people together. I like collaboration. I like um, seeing um, people come up. Uh, I like seeing the industry develop in ways that are inclusive and and free and dynamic and um, not limited, controlled and um, totalitarian, let's just say. And I, I mean, like, um, maybe the both can harmonize but like i i really support grassroots because that's that's where i come from i mean like i built this out of garages and basements and um i'm still in one but i've seen um i've had deals i've had i've seen millions of dollars in deals i've seen um opportunities that um that would have transformed my lives that i didn't take you know, so it's like, not that I, not that that means anything, except that maybe um, I have to meet the right individuals or find the right opportunities still. But what it does mean is that like, in my mind, I've already made it like, and I'm grateful. And, um, but it's like, uh, it's possible. And this industry, thankfully, has allowed me to, and I really hope that it continues to allow people to, because, um, the, how how awesome is it to have competition and to see new work and to see new creations and to see people like um, re, even reinvent on what is existing and like just take it to the next level. I have I don't want to see it just become this like a a bastardization and and so I'm so this industry is awesome. It really has been like the the green rush or the gold rush where we've all been able to participate in a certain in to a certain extent and um free market has had its um has had its way in a in a sense under like under the guises of free i mean the guise of free market under under the control of medical or whatnot and and um but got to be grateful for what we've had um even on a small scale like 
look at how much how much we've been able to accomplish how much others have been able to accomplish um how really just like um uh i mean every people of all types of life i kind of started the conversation with like i couldn't even be um working in the industry that like that i um went to college for or whatever and it's like it's essentially um most of us are dropouts or felons and i've and i and like i don't say that lightly and it's it has its pros and its cons right like most of the people in our industry couldn't get a regular job for one reason or another um a lot of the people in this industry actually i have um found out do have regular jobs right and that's like um more of a common thing nowadays because you can kind of smoke weed and be seen in public and have a regular job more now whereas before that was probably a no-no so most people in this industry i think were either like were all in the industry or maybe like didn't tell people didn't tell people that they were doing both or whatever but anyways like now it's like a it's kind of different but um i've always been 100 cannabis grower independent never had like side income and so i know the hustle i know what it's about i know that you can pay your bills with one light i've proven it to myself i've done it um i've done it with nothing i've started from nothing you know we are a very lean operation i'm not like stacked with with income like i i reinvest back into um the community and the industry because like um i mean that's just like my strategy but it's um i'm grateful to have what i have and i hope it continues and like michigan for example doesn't follow the path of a lot of other states where they've basically stomped out free competition or or at least the the semblances of it and um and yeah man that's just like not what i thought the like economy was about like i thought we were about free market um and then capitalism was actually uh beneficial um i didn't know that like control like centralized control i guess was was the recommended path for anything but that that seems to be the path that um this country has decided for this plant and i'm not I, I'm not against um, infrastructure and standards and law, and I understand the need for it, and more and more every day, in the sense that like I'm just just becoming as conscious as I can from all the perspectives, I guess. But it's like um, I just wish it didn't limit the opportunities of like like regular people to succeed, I guess. And um, yeah, anyways. Uh, predatory this and that michigan so i'm in michigan in 2014 um a lot of i think some people were mentioning that this link doesn't work and um uh, that's what someone here was telling me and basically like this so gauge originals was started around 2014 and this is when we went retail so like basically at, at a certain point gauge green genetics gauge green group was only wholesale and we only sold stuff to um seed retailers to sell for us gauge originals was the first kind of time that we turned into started on our own retail and as you can see it says amsterdam 
because we were distributing seeds and um, I wanted to have a clean kind of point of distribution. Um, my, um, at one point we actually were centered out of the UK. I talk about this in the Mendo and the Mitten talk, but, um, Skunk Monkey, who was operating the, uh, help desk out of the UK for me and running my operations out there basically kind of fell ill and, um, I couldn't really get in touch with him. And so basically this guy named Callum, um, took over and, basically um took all our inventory to amsterdam and helped me was the beginnings of this operation where we also had um bank of uh bank of seeds or something like that and basically like what ended up ended up happening was he took everything um that we owned basically he stole everything and then he backdoored it to an, a breeder in canada um who breeds with all my gear and makes fun of me it makes fun of me like constantly and used to be a tester of mine and just like i think like when i raised my prices to like 250 or whatever like it flipped him and then like actually like flipped a lot of people and um I mean, as as you probably know, I've are, I've since raised prices. I mean, like I've actually returned prices down to like this level because um, I just wanted to kind of do something during this like crisis period that would be um, would be more more friendly to just common growers, everyday growers, like not people who are just like into like luxury items. Um, I wanted and uh, but. 250 or whatever really set a lot of people off. Um, uh, I guess, you know, um, because of that, created a lot of haters, um, has always done. Every time I kind of mention anything about price or or money or or making money or making or raising prices, like it actually is like, it's like the the biggest like, um, I get huge reactions. Um, I've actually got death threats um, from other breeders and other growers here, like in this state and other states who, who when they saw that I was selling an ounce for of um, my finest top buds, mat perfectly manicured triple triple A buds for a thousand dollars an ounce, they um, I was getting death threats. Um, so like this was like kind of the period from let's. The, that I've always experimented with prices. And I mean, honestly, at the beginning, um, CPACs from Gage Green started at 40 to 70, then went up to 100, then went up to 150, then went up to 250. So, and then we've sold them at 300, 500, 700, 1,000, um, 2,000. Um, and then, you know, we've had NFT sales of like 11.5k for a pack 10 pack um 6k for a 10 pack and um just record breaking stuff and it's like to me it's part of the fun like um if you watch like Sotheby's or um like i mean just like any high fine art um in the fine art world it's like it's a privilege to be able to sell your 
your product, your, your art for the highest dollar. Like it's, I'm not saying that like, I'm purely about economics. Um, if you follow my work, it's truly not, but I'm in business and I'm in it to succeed in whatever ways I can. And partly I see that like, this is one way where I can demonstrate that I'm doing well. And um, I think it's positive for the industry because it um, gives other breeders an opportunity to also make an income and for them to, um, well, I mean, basically breeders deserve a lot more than I think most of them are, are getting, um, for the amount of intellectual property that they're, they're giving away, um, that's being, that mo that's being monetized, um, daily in the millions. Um, I don't think that breeders, I think breeders are getting pennies, um, on the dollar. If, if anything, if even most likely not even, um, a penny. And it's like, I think that, um, while you know breeders are some of the more popular growers um a lot of them are hustling their ass off and it's not easy and um and only a few at any given moment are actually succeeding and so what i would say is like i want to encourage this industry to develop and to be recognized as an art form and to be respected by people who are also respected and successful in their industries that they would come and bring or people in our industry that are successful that they would honor the breeder and and the art in a sense in a way that like um makes sense i mean like for the amount of work and and um and value that this art brings that i think that um yeah, breeder, like breeders deserve to be able to get as much, as much as they want or as much as they can. And so, sure, I've demonstrated that. Sure, we've sold out $2,000 packs, whatever. Um, right now, we're doing $200 packs. So it's like, I can do whatever I want. And I like, I like all of it. I do understand the, the value of limited. Um, all our beans um, appreciate in value. Um, it's, an, it's a good investment. And it always has been go on strainly. And it seems like almost like a third of the strains on there have my genetics in them. Um, you know, search gauge green group and you get 22 million search results on, on Google. Like that's fucking crazy. That's real shit. And so, um, yeah, done a lot of fucking work. And and so, so I feel like it's like people, so people of at my level, they graduated with me, got jobs where they were getting paid like a hundred over a hundred K a year, um, doing, being on the right path. And, you know, obviously I fell off that path. I don't give a fuck and I'm not, I don't regret it, but it's like, you, it's like, you know how long it took me to, to get to that level. Right. And it's like, um, I'm 32 and it's like, I've worked my ass, my ass off. Sure. I could have gotten taken 15 million when I was, <clears throat> 27 or whatever <clears throat> and then or got you know got a piece of that and like but it's like uh, <clears throat> I don't know whatever it's just like I think that you know you see like basketball stars who who ball it out for their organization and are are the sole reason why their success there are paid 
millions. And if you think about what the um, total valuation or size of the MBA is compared to say cannabis, just think about it. It's, it doesn't even compare and you can do like Google the numbers. Right. And then, so you're saying that an all-star basketball player gets played gets paid in the tens of millions of dollars a year um, or, or more. And um, nobody in the cannabis industry that's uh, creative, that's not necessarily a business person, um, but that's balling out for the industry. That's actually one of the champions and is successful. And I'm talking a whole lot of people I can think of that aren't multi-millionaires. You know what I'm saying? That are like barely able to um, stay at a facility and not get fucking jacked. Um, that uh, basically are abused and and stolen from and knocked off and treated like ass and disrespected everywhere. Like when when their equivalents in other industries are are balling out and this is not a um and i'm not saying that people in this industry aren't doing very very well for themselves and um and like i am just incredibly grateful but i just see like if we're really talking equivalents and where this industry eventually will go and um the future forecast like in no way am i complaining about the present um uh i have beyond i have more than i can be grateful for and count in terms of like blessings and all that but um when you are talking about like uh um the potential and what where this industry is going to go for like creatives and, and artists and growers and breeders that are at the forefront of this industry like it's going to be crazy and um once the channels open up um once the government opens up once um supply chains exist this is going to be like um i think where it eventually ought to go so right now there's the way i see it is there's just a lot of um confusion there's kind of a lot of battles um hopefully the good will be able to to maintain or tr or triumph and and at least we'll get some you know consensus to where we can all participate and this will be like truly what it was meant to be like a, a a a path to what i see and i've always described as like heaven on earth um true like holistic health and um community and and um just uh yeah i mean like everything we see at at these events that that we know is different um i want to make that a reality all around us i want to help people be prosperous, but also um, have longevity. Um, it's not just about wealth, as I was just describing, but it's also about health. And um, so it's like a huge, I, you, I will always be um, like forever, like um, supporting and in, um, you know, the, the health benefits of cannabis, because it's because cannabis has um, transformed me from like a sickly individual into um, and and of course organic living but um, cannabis I know because I use it intentionally and directly that it has transformative effects on mind body and soul and I've uh, not only written books but given talks 
um, actually that's what the second organic cup in 2012 was about. I talked about myofascia and you won't hear me talk too much about it now, but it's, um, something I could talk about for, for ever. And basically myofascia is the connective tissue that surrounds each and every cell, every membrane and every tissue in the body. And it's, um, I don't even want to get into it because I'll just start going off, but I wanted, I discovered all this, all this information I want to share with, um, the community that eventually I will, um, have that opportunity, but, um, basically, yeah, it's like cannabis is transformative. I've seen it. I, and so yeah, health and wealth and family community, all of that is like my, my aim. So anyways, I, I hope that I can continue to, of course, part, part of it is I want to be able to continue what I do, but I'd also like to see other people be able to continue to do what they love to do and, and continue to inspire me. So if you go to my page on Instagram or any of my pages, I got like a bunch of them, which always shout shouting other people out, always trying to like, um, put our friends and family on because, um, yeah, that's what I'd like to see other people do for me. So, um, and I'm grateful for those that have, and I'm grateful to be here. Um, and for everyone listening, it's like two, it's almost two twenty. Thank, thanks so much for um, being here. And uh, yeah, there's still a lot of story, but uh, maybe I should stop for a little bit because I'm sure you have some questions or maybe something to say. Otherwise, we'll just keep going. But what up, Eagle? Well, if you will take take a take a long break for one, yeah, you, you again more than well deserve it. And if you'd like, yeah, there's a few things I could pick your mind about. I'd, there's a lot of this story I'd like to hear. But as far as, like, direction, as far as, like, there's been somebody I very respect very much. And I uh, I, I uh, mentioned, mentioned him to you when I spoke with you at Mendo and the Mitten, uh, Mr. Smiley's Gardens who has a lot of respect for you as a breeder, uh, wanted to hear the story of the high school sweetheart. And then there was a question, if you'd like, uh, about Grateful Breath, if you'd like to tell that story. Just a couple suggestions and directions. Cool. Chat would, you know what I mean? No, that's actually a good uh, suggestion because I'm around, I'm at like 2012, 2014, 2015, the 2014-2015 era, and those questions would have fallen some like that those created were created in like the 2012 um and 2013 era so great questions i can definitely explain that yeah i'm gonna take a, a rip of this potion no you just look at the stuff you got there that's for sure yeah i've been having some amazing help from uh designer gardens ambrosia um and uh um my buddy terp wizard and um they both were able to um run my gear and basically did a tremendous job so super grateful to have you know incredibly talented friends around me that have um been able to yeah support my work and um i've been able to line line with cash making is something i've i have all the equipment um in terms of uh softness, of course um, but I've always had just good friends around that just did incredible work and I never had to fully get into it. So never ended up getting a room built and all that. Um, 
but yeah, I have enough on my plates. So um, yeah, super grateful to have all the help. Surf Wizard's a good dude, man. He was on uh, a few, I think two months ago, he did an episode and uh, told his journey as well. Uh, great opportunity to meet him. You know, I love hearing everybody's story, especially, you know, the ones that are a little closer to home, the Michigan natives somewhat. Uh, I definitely like to see, you know, uh, my local people succeed for sure. Like, yeah. You're kind of saying each one teach one kind of thing. It's right. It's pretty awesome to see people that succeed as well as it, when you surround yourself by successful people, it makes you want to succeed too. So, you know what I mean? It's right. very infectious. No, there's an amazing community here. And um, I've been blessed to have been um, welcomed here. Um, uh, just like, I think I mentioned I've been coming here since like about 2011 doing cannabis cups. Um, and then like around 2014, of course, is when we moved here. <laughs> yeah, we can talk about that. Um, and then like around 2014, we moved here. They, I didn't find out about them until, until 20, about 2018. Um, I think that's when they were founded. Um, but you, as you know, this story, we're still at 2014 and we've covered a lot of grounds. This company, unlike their claims, then, and if people don't know what we're talking about, he just, um, Eagle just held up a flag of the phage or the fake gauge. I call them that because there used to be all these people running around with fake bapes, which are bapes does. And like, you know, like, um, these pan leather Nike knockoffs from Nico. And basically, um, uh, they, we call them fakes because you because if you rocked fake babes, you were you were you were wearing fakes. So I saw the fake gauge and I'm like, oh, these are phages and um, no, the, no disrespect for our the, the whole the rainbow community and, and all the people out there like that was not the intention at all. And I don't think anyone takes it as that, but it does have, be worth mentioning that it, it's not like I like I it's just fake gauge. So I do, um, so yeah, basically we were raided in 2017. Uh, a few months later, um, I was offered 15 mil for my brand and that's it. Like obviously without me in it. And um, they, I was like, uh, fuck that. I was like, come back when you have a billion. That's what I said. And um, he said, he never responded of course. <laughs> and um uh yeah um a few months later i was someone asked me a very interesting question says uh, mike have you ever trademarked gauge and i was like the way he asked me i love the dude i won't even say his name but like, I gotta appreciate this motherfucker because he's a Michigan guy. And like, he asked that question and I will never forget it because it was the most perfectly timed question because I didn't actually address it in the back of my head for a few days, but eventually I thought, hmm, I should look this up because it, because I told him, I was like, you know, we have common law rights. Like basically if you Google that anybody who uses it first has common law rights to that trademark 
Um, you technically can't pat or can't trademark, sorry, excuse me. You can't trademark um, cannabis brands because cannabis is federally illegal and the US Patent Trademark Office is a federal organization. But you can trademark um, a fil- cannabis of like ancillary um, activities such as message boards, um, t-shirts, merchandise, uh, you know, whatever. So there are things that you can do. And I wasn't aware of that at the time. I just thought, okay, we've been doing it and demonstrating use. And unlike what the fake gauge um, says, we are not an illegal company. We are not illegal growers. And I'm not, I haven't been breaking the law doing what I do. I think that's um, blasphemy, essentially, for a cannabis company to say that about another cannabis company who you are jacking. Um, and I think that it's also um, very disrespectful. We call that snitching in the streets. Um, but what? Um, but I've been operating. You know, I I've, I've been arrested enough trying to do it right, as right as I can. That I don't need to fucking do stupid shit to get myself in trouble. And so, like, anyways. Um, I don't know why I said that, <laughs> but basically like we were offered the 17 million. Oh, and I turned it down. And then this guy was like, Hey Mike, like, did you trademark gauge? So I go online and I look it up and um, I'm like, Oh shit. There's another fucking Michigan company or no, at the time, I think they were Canadian using a Michigan entity. Um, and filing for the name gauge, the word gauge. I was like, what the fuck? And it just so happened that it was the week that I could, a month, the month that was allowed for the public to oppose the filing. So you literally, if someone tries to file for your name or whatever, you have to check it until it's, until it's gone through a certain point to where you can oppose it. And then you have to spend, I think I spent like a hundred plus dollars per list per claim that they had. Cause I was like, I do all of this. Um, and I spent like maybe five or $700 and opposed all their trademark filings on that day when I saw it um, during that month when I was allowed to, and they had just started the process maybe less than a year ago. And um, uh Basically, I would say around the time we got arrested was around this time that they got started. I mean, the coincidence, like the timing is just so, it's too coincidental. And um, we know that nothing, coincidences don't exist, in my opinion, when we live in an intentional universe. Nothing happens on accident, but it's, um, but it's, uh, but everything happens with a purpose. And um and uh for a reason and all that but it's like i'm i'm where i am and i'm not i'm not sad or 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 upset and and so this is just you know shit that happens people are like why is it all negative i'm like i don't fucking know dude (laughs) like i attract negativity i don't know like positive attracts negativity or maybe i'm negative and i'm just you know attract negativity whatever it is I really don't care what you think, but this is my life. And it's like, um, as I do my best to put out um, all, all love, 
And, um, but I have to experience the world as it really is. And um, as we know, this is not all good people in this industry. So anyways, whatever. Um, I didn't mean to strike a chord. I ruined your bowl. You didn't even get to it. You didn't even get to the bowl. Bro, I don't even know why I started talking, but like I'm in such a talkative mood right now that like I would just go down a fucking rabbit hole and get lost. So why did I even start talking about that? Oh, we talked about Michigan growers being the fucking best. And yeah, that's why I moved out here. <laughs> I don't even know what I was talking about. So that, that what you got there looks pretty impressive there for sure. Um, I can relate to some other stuff you said earlier on why you why you're smoking a bowl or getting prepared there uh, about the healing power of the plant. There is definitely a lot that goes on there. You know, you said even outside of organics, I'm a firm believer in that as well. I hear more and more stories on how cannabis has changed people's life as far as using it as a medicine, juicing shit like that, being able to get, you know, some nutrient density back into them. And that's where a lot of that's where the organics kind of thing comes back into it. But that's a whole side adventure. We're just still on the cannabis side of it. There's a lot of healing power using the plant as a medicine. But I think even more so in what we're in danger of with the legal uh, recreational cannabis going across. I think we touched down on that a little bit, too, is uh, the cultivation side of things, you know. I think once people, you know, make that transition from, you know, knowing it's a medicine to cultivating their own medicine, it's a very powerful experience. Um, but as far as like overall health and kind of getting back kind of somewhat to the organics and tying in cannabis, I guess, uh, medicine don't, we don't, they don't work like we, they, we should with plants. Basically, we look at the cannabis plant and other plants and we're like, oh, this is deficient. You know what I mean? We're judging the plant on what it needs, not necessarily, in, you, know, you know, potions. And that's what the uh, pharmaceutical industry or medical system does today is basically try to give us some potion. And in fact, what they should be doing with us, it's the same thing as the plant, evaluating us, seeing what we're deficient in and starting there as a cure but no 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 no. so we think a lot alike in them aspects but it's you know i love hearing the story i never get tired of hearing how cannabis has changed or healed their you know their them at some point so yeah it is a powerful plant Yeah, definitely. Like to the fact that I think everyone needs to grow because you grow the medicine that's meant for you. That's, of course, you know, my herb could benefit others. But if you grow it yourself, it has your spirit. It's meant most for you. That's how I see it. I guess kind of like recap why you're still smoking there a little bit about as far as like breeding and seed cost, you know, 
there's a lot of work that goes into it with some really good strains you know it is beauty's in the eye of the beholder there and of course limited limitality if that's even a word uh, plays into it as well so sub used to joke all the time how people would uh he could provide a pack in uh, like the forums for a set price and then put the same pack into like an auction and people would overbid and pay 10 times the pack just to say they won. You know what I mean? It always blew him away how people would want it, almost <coughs> wanted to pay overpriced for seeds in some case. But uh, again, there's a lot of work that goes into that, not, you know, undermining the price of seeds there. But there's a shitload of work that goes in there, you know, power, nutrients, time, you know, trying to get the word out there about that strain. A lot of stuff, beauty, again, beauty's in the eye of the beholder. It's try, it's hard to sell, <laughs> you know, beauty to somebody that can't necessarily see it or, you know what I mean? It's individualized. That's one of the beautiful things about cannabis. You know what I mean? For sure. And that really hit me. So you're going to hear me cough. But like, um, like Subcool did a lot more than people give him credit for. <coughs> and I think it was because he was his own character. He was his own person. He was different. He didn't necessarily like follow trends or or do just what um, he wasn't like <coughs> politically correct or whatever. <coughs> Hold on one sec. Cheers, everybody in chat. Holy cow, 107 of you guys <coughs> at 2.30 a.m. You guys are pretty awesome. What up, everyone? Yeah, thanks for being here. It got really hot, so I had to turn the AC down. I'm sweating. But I was saying, like, Subcool really doesn't get the credit that he deserves because he's he's so unique, and he was definitely a maverick, which I'm sure is what he wanted to represent, and and which he did. And um, I'll, I think he was polarizing, as most figures do become, as they become more you know, like influential and, and impactful. <laughs> but, um, he, um, had fucking balls of steel. He did think at a time when nobody was, um, he basically put himself out there as a target um, so that we essentially could be doing what we do today <coughs> before we got on attitude, he had just got on attitude and, um, a lot of, I'd say like what he did, um, I would say I followed a lot of his footsteps and, um, I'm sure there, there are, excuse me. There was definitely mutual respect um, 
I think we reference some of each other's works at time were um, works at times. He um, was a supporter, especially toward, especially like towards the end. Um, <coughs> excuse me, man, that really got me. <coughs> I'm over here like telling you you can control your fucking breath. No, anyways. <laughs> um, um sub cool, like you know, he was doing shit before everyone else, so that meant he was doing things that nobody else dared to do. The only reason why the industry is so full today is because everyone feels like it's safe enough to do it. And um, that was not sub cool's era, and of course, he's not the only individual out there. Know a lot of people don't like him and um whatever a lot of people don't like me either and i i personally gravitate towards people that people don't like and then like just for just for the sole reason that i want to like i want to understand what it is that like why people don't like this this thing you know what i mean like i like i almost like want to have to like i gotta discover what the illness is about in order to heal it kind of thing sorry that felt that sounded weird because like i don't i'm not just gravitate i just don't gravitate towards only sick people or people with that are different or weird but i am i've been sick i've been um i've been weird and uh i've also been um able to like overcome some things i'm i'm still sick and weird in ways but um yeah it's just it's just fun to uh find healing in the medicine and um and uh in terms of pricing like i think that subcool um was definitely right in the sense that like or in your observation that like people just some people want to pay more um i want to pay more i was just like plain and simple i'm one of those i'm a high priest i'm a um i love boutique uh everything I love um, high fashion. I love um, sneaker culture. I love um, anything that appreciates and value. It's like the investor collector in me. Um, I'm historically like the guy who gets into things when it first starts. And then like, eh, and then I make money from it. Like I made a money off of Bitcoin. Um, I made money off of Apple stock, you know, like just things like that were, um, you know, incredible. I'm just grateful to have been able to be at certain places at the right time and just to be able to be a part of trends and, um, shit that my mucus is flowing. And that's like the difference between cannabis and other medicines is it's a, um, what do you call it? Well, it like helps you circulate mucus. And if you know anything about um, the alkaline kind of like healing and, and um, the whole like Dr. Sebi, like natural path, like um, Dr. Robert Morris and all the natural healing guys talk about um, mucus detoxification, detoxification, um, mucus being like um, a very important like circulatory system of the lymphatic system and um just like how it's actually a untold 
um, it's the untold source of all quote unquote dis-ease is a, um, excuse me, is a clogged and um, acidic lymphatic system in um, areas of the body that isn't getting circulation, movement, and um, consciousness and whatever. But anyways, um, yeah, so people want to pay high prices. I want to pay for high prices. I buy, I love like high-end everything. So I, I don't know. It's just like what I gravitate towards and what I don't really see people doing in the industry maybe because they're like afraid of money or they are not just afraid, but they hate it or, um, or they're angry at it or it did something to them. I don't know. Like what, but I don't have a fear or distaste towards, you know, um, capitalism or money. I think that it, there's ways to be beneficial. I think that we can all be very successful I don't, I think that there can be a more horizontal economy, but, but I also think that, and I have visions for how to create that structure, but I, but I do also think that, um, every, every human needs to, um, achieve at a higher level and have the, be incentivized to do it and to basically get off their, their asses so that, and, and this is a shitty way to say, cause I guess like that could be. Um, taken out of context and made to seem like I'm saying that people who are suffering need to get off their asses. And that's not what I'm saying. But for the most part, what, what I am trying to say is that everyone should be able to achieve in their own way and and add value to society in ways that, that will, that is like lucrative and gives them an opportunity to live a, a, good beautiful life and i think that it's possible for everyone to have that and it doesn't have to be like where someone has to suffer in order for that to happen or that um we can't operate on a harm our harmonic level where everything we do can be beneficial towards others and that there's like a um, regenerative forms of businesses and regenerative forms of capitalism that aren't necessarily like predatory or um you know things that we don't desire but that we can kind of have the best of all worlds and that's that's ultimately what i'm trying to achieve i am um running a business and and i am in the business of trying to create the best cannabis and so yeah i mean like um i would hope that there's you know to see more people like not discourage um uh specifically just capitalism um but encourage like regenerative capitalism whatever that means in the sense that we have regenerative uh, there you put regenerative in front of anything and that creates an idea that um we don't always think of and so i think that um what I found in, you know, holistics and spirituality is that everything is has polarities and you, you can recognize both in order to um, make you make the right decisions. And so that's ultimately, I think where, where we have to see wealth as well as health, you know, holistically. So I got a question for you, if you if you'd like the question. 
Yeah. What you're talking about, uh, you were talking about a little bit earlier about uh, like being able to patent your genetics. And then this goes out to just being a breeder in general. As of late, well, couple th- couple angles on this one it involves, you know, tissue culture and uh, uh, breeding, I guess, a little bit, breeding practices. Uh, but I, I, one thing I've really been, I appreciate lately is the, the emergence of tissue cultures and breeders like yourself being able to tissue culture your parental stock for future you know, recreations or, you know, just viability, say, you know what I mean? I think a lot of times uh, the market, people, you know, BX shit or recreate a lot of stuff from the worry of limited, you know what I mean? Never going to be able to get it again or whatever. So they do whatever. And unfortunately, sometimes recreate shit, rename it, whatever. You know what I mean? Same name it, but don't maybe mention they created it in some cases, you know, little, little, there's some watering down of it. So I guess what I'm getting at is lately I've seen a few breeders kind of go proprietary with what they're using. And I kind of like it. I kind of like it. It would be good for you guys, you breeders to be able to kind of be able to at some point you know, patent or hold your stock. You know what I mean? This is mine. And I think it would drive more creativity through, you know, breeders. If you know, I, right now, as you see so much hype times, hype times, hype, just to get that on a pack, just to see it sold. Mm-hmm. If you take away what's in it, you know what I mean? You take you know away, you know, the ingredients and then it drives, you know, creativity and less copycat genetics i guess well the cool thing is that it essentially creates a structure for entitlements of ownership that never existed in cannabis and it also allows people to it forces people to stay honest because what it does is it allows people to own their hard work and if they choose to give you a clone and work with you as all breeding is has been done for centuries. Hey, you want to grow my genetics? I got this this bomb, and then or I got this bomb. Put it online. People buy it and um, grow it out, and then they make seeds or whatever, and it just spreads. Um, but it gives people the opportunity to say, "Yeah, you can grow it, and you can grow it without pay me paying me any royalties, or you can pay me." 10% or whatever we decide. I don't, that's besides the point. But the idea is I gifted it to you so you have the rights to use it. Not, uh, I sold it for, you know, and it's been hoard out for lack of better word. Or um, I didn't choose to share it to you. It's, it was stolen out of my garden, which happens a lot in the industry now, which I am not a fan of. And I know that people do that out of commercial facilities and that's really not cool. Um, but the, um, but the idea is that, uh, you can, um, grow, you, you can't steal anymore if, when there's a legal structure in place, I mean, you can try, but if if you steal your genetic can be, um, tested for markers or whatever, and 
clearly you're in violation of someone's intellectual property. You you may be vi- liable. So why didn't you just call the guy is the question, right? And that's what's happening in the future more and more. I understand that um, there's also this idea that when you release something, um, it becomes part of the public domain. And I will actually agree that like if you um, sell seeds, and somebody breeds with it, it's technically not quote unquote illegal or against the law because you sold it and you don't, and you can't control what someone does with it. And you really should. And these days I take the perspective of, I have, um, I'm grateful that somebody would even support me by buying my seeds and then growing them out and then giving them the, uh, uh, their time of day right and then even choosing to breed with it and putting them on their packs that's all nothing but um like way cool and i'm just grateful that anybody would even touch my genetics um let alone breed with them so like that means a lot to me too and i'm really grateful but what i'm really talking about is more like predatory where it's like down the line type stuff or like you know, not a lot of like creativity before you work with something. Um, it's just like, because like, I think there's different ways to approach it. And now I have a lot of friends that kind of like do remixes of my gear and you see a lot of their work on the internet. And the majority of them are like my homies and, um, people that were testing the gear at the very, at the very beginning and had access to really bomb shit or bottom or did whatever and are like really, really awesome, really, really cool people. And I promote them and I want to see them succeed. And it's like actually really cool to see them be able to maintain and continue reinvent on lines that like, I don't even have time to revisit in a sense. And then, um, but yeah, um, but in the future, you wouldn't have the people that were willing to like hurt you be able to use your your gear like that and i think that's um pretty amazing i think that a lot of the people that were the early pioneers i'm not even necessarily one of them as you know like if you could just listen to the history like i'm pretty new to this and um i'm like young in the game like in the sense like i've been in um you know it professionally in this for maybe like 14 years and i mean i've been selling in the streets but that's like you know whatever another another story but like i um when i was um but yeah no just like the ogs who who created the early strains who um hold the early work are the ones that really deserve to be repaid as you know like money has gotten more expensive living has gotten more expensive and when's the last time you heard anyone buying some old school strain that like you know what I'm, you know, I don't even need to name them. You, you, but those people created the building blocks of everything today, those genetics. So um, nobody's paying up to them, let alone the one, the level right up above them or, or whatever. It's like hard to, to um, I mean, you, you know, this is just like a, this is a black market, whatever type of industry. So it's, it's hard to, actually get people to follow agreements and stuff and a lot of accidents not accidents unfortunate events um and um 
circumstances that, you know, aren't really like you don't have legal protection, you don't have regulations, you don't have any kind of repercussion. So people steal left and right, people do all this stuff. That's what will end in the future or there will be less of because because of the enforcement and all that aspect, which I'm not historically been a fan of because I'm like, oh, fuck, fuck the law type of mentality. I've been like, but I'm all that's in the past. Like, I'm like, honestly, not in any way looking to create any trouble, you know, because it's like, I'll just, I've been in jail enough times to know that's not what I want. Anyways, I think I might have already said that. So anyways, yeah, we're going to have some like people who are the OGs are going to get repaid people like everyone in line, just like it's going to be like music industry, like we're sampling each other's work, right? Nobody is actually doing real breeding in the sense that they're taking, they're doing IBLs and they're, they're um, actually stabilizing genetics. We may as a public be and community be doing that based on this kind of like public taste that is um, a beautiful crowdsourced endeavor that I am in love with and not, and obviously a participant of, and in no way like against it, but it's like sampling in hip hop. And at one point you could get away with sampling anything you wanted when it was just playing in your backyard. But when you start sampling on radio or TV or movies or, or published you know, music, that's a whole different story. There are institutions in place to stop theft of other people's music. And yeah, like we, at one point it was a bit, you know, everyone was stealing music and it was like a cool, the cool thing to do or whatever. And, um, but think about it. If you really think about how much like the musicians suffered and like some people are like, fuck the musicians, they're making too much anyways, whatever. I'm not, you know, I see both sides, I guess I can, I, I understand the, the, the reasoning behind both sides, but, but, um, what I'm, I'm sure you understand why there's a structure in place um, to protect certain people's livelihoods or, or assets. I'm sh and of course, in that industry structure, which is very similar to what's coming in cannabis, there will be predatory structures. There will also be benevolent ones and there will be ways to do it correctly and own your masters and all that kind of stuff. But at one point it was like, not necessarily like that. And people were getting jacked, samples were getting made, nobody was getting paid. It doesn't happen anymore. You can barely play music on, you know, certain platforms without getting people getting paid for it. So anyways, long story short, that's what um, is coming to, to cannabis. And um, I think uh, it'll be very interesting to see how we all fit in that kind of puzzle. Um, I don't think that it'll all be nefarious. I think that it's, but it's um, kind of what's coming. You, it's going to be more regulation and um, good or bad. I guess we just have to do our research and be prepared and um, kind of just like, I don't know, like I don't, I just put my head down and I just continue to do what I do. Um, I basically put the best things that come across my table together and offer with, you know, this incredibly high 
selection criteria and standards um which allow me to basically have a collection of the best seeds that made from my experience but i'm giving people the palette that comes um through over comes comes through my table whereas like uh but yeah that's that's um what i'm doing now i um i'm blessed to be able to do it um i don't have any plant patents um or really understand too much about it but i know that um that's the future and there's structures um in place for other agricultural industries such as um every agricultural plant in the world falls under certain um intellectual property criteria seed um stability criteria as well as um things like phytosanitary uh certificates that um you don't really hear people talk about <laughs> but is the standard for all forms of agriculture so um i don't know it's definitely something to look into and i that's um most likely what's you know next so would you like to tell the story of the high school sweetheart i mean where sure. did we leave off we left out around 2014 somewhere in that area i think you said yeah of course so um so the story begins with um the grokashi bokashi um alan he's an interesting cat we we definitely have had our disagreements but i won't deny that he and i'm sure no other people would agree that he's definitely uh influential in the industry as his own on his own and i won't take credit from him for for that um he's got a interest very interesting unique perspective that uh we've had you know hours long conversations and he's uh I've given to him as much as he's given to me, I would say, but I would, I, I really would have, well, actually, well, that's not true because I've kept my word in many ways than one and, and he failed, <laughs> but, um, I'm not trying to be negative, but he's, um, but he's like, he, he, um, you know, never paid me for my work, which is, which is like a, which is like, why would you not, you know, like, uh, um, but uh, if anybody who was there knows, you know, just it's like, but anyways, disagreements aside, um, we, he was, uh, I was in, a major uh, endorser of the product, really took it like more or less international, um, made it legit, got a CDFA registration, got everything tested, created the label, created the website, created the promotion, got the testing, started the probiotic farmer. Oh, I never mentioned. So basically the reason why I'm salty about the PFA is because what happened was Alan 
um, basically appointed all these admins during like my move from Mendo to Oregon to um, Michigan when a lot of things happened. And um, I think I mentioned like we lost the the website in Amsterdam and all that. And because of all that, I was like, I'll be honest, I'm telling all these details. This was like a fucking blur for me. During this time, I was traveling to all these different states doing cannabis cups. We were doing drops all the time. I was managing a grow, um, managing multiple employees, doing all types of work, like all doing everything, let's just say. And you you, you kind of see what I do now. I was just kind of doing the same thing on a, on a different kind of st- structure. And, um, but like basically, uh, but also like working my, working my ass off, getting abused, not getting paid. And then, um, uh, getting ripped off in Eugene. And then I also got ripped off in Mendo. The house that I was at was supposed to be, was entrusted to this guy who was an early forum member. I don't even, I won't go into his name, but he, he, um, was supposed to run the house, but he got angry at key play and, and, uh, then at me or something like that. And then just basically took the facility that I paid $12,000 or 16, 12, perhaps 16 for that entire build out. And he, um, was supposed to pay me back for it and also contribute, you know, like give me half of what you make or whatever until it's paid off. And then we can, you know, be like partners in it or something, or we could continue to, well, like that all that ended anyways. Um, just one bad story after another, anyway, sorry, but PFA, I, I was a part of that with Alan. And then he, the reason why I'm salty is because he appointed like Jeremy Silva from build a soil Creek Thompson, who's my homie, um, Patrick soil King, this, uh, this chick named Luna um, and uh, someone else. Um, sorry, I, don't, I didn't mean to say chick, but um, lady and um, this other gentleman, I can't remember all the members, but these are all appointed during that time when I was losing my house in Mendo, getting ripped off in Eugene and then going to Michigan and um, um, kind of getting ripped off in Amsterdam. And so it was like a really fucked up period. And I will be honest, like I got depressed as fuck when we lost this shit. Cause this was like, this was like my baby and um, took a lot of work and um, really like um, as, as I did, uh, as I often do trusted other people to be honest and they, they take um, in criminal ways for me. Um, And so uh anyways um we i'm so negative i don't even know why if it's the weed or what but it's just like i'm trying to have a positive perspective on this but um it was really just like this weird time i was depressed and these guys jacked me and then um alan basically got everyone on the pfa to admins to agree to remove me from the page now keep in mind i built i started that page under my like um m4k or some weird name 
or Gage Green. That's what I was using as my profile for um, Facebook. Well, they just flagged it as like not my pro name. And then they, they were deleting all these people at the time. Well, I got all my early work deleted from there, which was a huge bummer. So I had to restart my page, Fang, Jeshen or whatever. And I guess they can't argue that that's not my name because they don't know. <laughs> but like, well, it is my name, but I just not my legal name or whatever. Right? It's just my my Asian name. <laughs> but they um, when I was uh, so I got reinstated as admin. But because of that, I wasn't the creator anymore of the group. And then and I lost privileges and not that I wasn't the super admin or whatever. and never was made one. And then they basically made a decision to remove me from the PFA. And I, this is and basically I see it as a coup. Like this is some like fucking like espionage type shit where I was removed. I was not paid for my efforts in creating and then forcibly removed and like ganged on on by all these admins and all these um whatever like people that like it was like it was I was like, man, this is this is fucked up. Cause like I put a lot of effort into creating this and no, and now I'm like not a part of that, which I'm not jealous. I know it has a lot of or jealous or, or upset. I don't really want to be a part of it. It kind of had this, his days and I know it still has its ups and downs, but um, I don't really want to be a part of something that doesn't appreciate like honesty and truth, but that's my whole like gripe with, those years of my life that I put into that whole thing. And now that, and that was like kind of a upsetting sit, situation, but that, so I'm not a part of that anymore, but um, Alan is the one that gave me the cherry pie kush. And I, I started all this negativity and drama by talking about how cool Alan was in the sense that he did have his own perspective and he actually was, is an influential character. Um, and, um, and we were very, um, we, we worked good together as a team while we were a team, um, even though I didn't get paid, <laughs> but he, he, um, he was a large scale, large commercial grower, um, during the kind of heydays of Mendocino by the time I met him. Um, he had, uh, he had shut everything down to try to be as hundred percent legit and, um, you know, props to him for actually doing that and then completely committing to his, uh, Bokashi project, which I believe did, um, pay his bills, um, quite instantly as I'm very good at putting brands at the forefront, making them famous and then making them successful. Like I have a history of doing that in the soil, nutrient, genetic, and flower world. Like that's just, I, that's just fact. And then so anyways, back to Alan. He was a great, he was a very good organic grower in Mendocino. And um, uh, give him, definitely give him that. And the story goes that before I met him, oh, let's, I was in 2011 when I met him, he entered 
CPK is GSC as his entry into the Organic Cup. It didn't win. It was his alto, but he um, grew he grew it organically, whatever, and had it hanging in the shed and trimmed me some up. And I smoked it. And keep in mind, you know, I've been Mendo breathing it, Grateful breathing it, um, OG Kush breathing it, um, forearm cut, animal cut, all the all the all the cuts that floated through our our you know our circle i guess um so i've seen cookies um i've seen all the offshoots i've seen cherry pie i've seen multiple types of cherry pie um in the bay though so this is from a bay perspective i've seen like cherry pie from sirius um rip i've seen cherry pie from harborside i've seen cherry that dark heart shit um i've which is pretty prevalent i've seen um like cherry pie like um few different variations in like mendo but anyways cherry pie anyways well anyways what i was really trying to talk about was that um his cherry pie kush definitely reminded me of both cherry pie and cookies but it had what both of them lacked, which was, which is gas. And which nowadays has for sure been bred, in my opinion, back into Girl Scout cookies to where it's like triangle cushy as fuck and, um, and uh, bomb. And I'm not gonna discount the, the breeding that came later, but what the story goes that GSC is actually the predecessor no sorry excuse me i totally said that wrong cpk cherry pie kush is the predecessor and this is allegedly still want to be quoted saying this um cherry pie kush allegedly is the matriarch um and and, and his legend legends say <laughs> or that's what the story goes how the story goes which i'll go into the story later but we kind of go by that history um because it's it's very um seems very accurate to um, my experience and um to the reaction that um say like i i hate to go after a billionaire but like the cookies family um why their animosity towards me why they directed hate towards my on my Instagram page, like came on there and like trolled and said like said really nasty shit um, about my work at a time when I was simply just kind of divulging truths that I had discovered, whether it be OGKB or CPK. And both of them were, I guess, trigger points that um that really kind of fucked up my i guess our relationship like i see ggg and cookies because we kind of had access to these incredibly incredibly elusive and high performing genetics that were both not really in their possession when i had them so like when the ogkb came out that was the bombest cut of quote unquote cookies but it's really just 
someone pheno hunted it ogkb did and oh that goes into the story of grateful breath which is the predecessor to high school sweetheart so i really should have talked about that first but i do talk about it in the mendo and the midden story i do touch on grateful breath um but i, I might may go back to that but basically um uh these were just people were growing bag seeds of each other. It's like the same thing that's going on today, but with cookies, like they did with OG, like they did with sour and all this stuff. It's just bag seeds and bag seeds of each other. Um, after a while, especially when you're not a real breeder, but you're growing somewhat unstable, unstabilized seed stock or genetics. Um, like some of the best um cushions are not so stable. I mean, I don't know why. <clears throat> but it just is what it is and um in the wrong conditions they often hurt me but in the correct conditions they're super super ridiculously bomb and so um anyways else got cookies ogkb bag seeds so um we had the ogkb demonstrated showcased it to the world with norcal and people fell in love with it it was the first time anybody's seen a full bud shot of any cookies quote unquote because all cookies was bags was baby buds at a time remember and um um the the claim was that there's no baby buds on the real girl scout cookies from the cookie fam but the truth is we never saw uh real pictures of it or we never saw you know the actual presentation the ogkb was it it was cola's three foot three foot long um single single cola dominant of dense ridiculously um monstrous um nody bulbous calyx dense gassy whatever i i'd say the ogkb was one of the better but it's not as gassy when i describe it as like say the traditional kush smell that you'll find in like um the cpk which i was, I was talking about before but the ogkb i mean it's phenomenal and you you as you know today still uh, hard to get hard to grow um hard to veg people don't really pass it around um and she's uh still she's just creates amazing genetics and has created pretty much the backbone of a lot of breeding today mendo breath grateful breath dosi do um being the the main components of a lot of breeding today a lot and, and i i mean just uh, I don't even know if the Strainly map actually supports the true data. Not the Strainly, sorry. I meant the Seed Finder map because um, I don't know. He had like kind of a, we had kind of a falling out, I think. Because I, because um, I got real busy and um, I might have not got back to him on, on an email, on a few emails. <laughs> I'm really bad with messages because like, I'm just um so i get hundreds of texts and, and emails a day that people take it very very personally and i'm fucking sorry if i've ever uh, viewed thousands of people that i've ignored on accident no there's no nothing nothing's by accident i like shouldn't even say that now but it's like it's like um because i just physically cannot and um yeah Anyways, I don't even know why I started talking about that. OGKB, I'm getting like real lost, but there's kind of like a narrative so I can jump back, which is cool. I like keep getting like going off the trail and then like almost falling off and then like being like, oh yeah, I remember where I came from. But um, there's like uh, the OG, so OGKB, 
um, really incredible genetic. Then Cherry Pie Kush comes out of fucking nowhere. People have never heard of it in the public. People have never seen it grown out, demonstrated. But as soon as you see it, especially if you smoke it and smell it, and I bet you still 99% of the world hasn't seen or smell it, smelled it, but they have grown the seed stock of it, put out a lot of seeds of it. But a few people have actually smoked it. But I have, you know, tried to grow, I've grown out a lot of it for friends and family or whatever. But I put out a lot of pictures and documentation too. It's um, to anybody with an eye for genetics and heritage and ancestry and breeding, it's pretty easy to see that it possesses a lot of the early traits of what ended up becoming what we call cherry pie and cookies and sherb and gelato. Um, shout out to Sherbinsky for that incredible like um, alley-oop <laughs> and just like I mean, I mean just like everything he did with um, the cookies and and the um, reinvention and the addition of perps and kush and um, the uh, branding and <clears throat> whatever huge fan but um but like what was I gonna say fucking we were but uh cpk is uh cherry pie kush so people are like what cherry pie kush like never heard of that like i hadn't heard of that either and the story goes and this is um i'm just telling the story this is what i was told by alan and alan says that in around around the year i think this was around 2000 um 10 2009 2010 maybe earlier i i don't think earlier i've um i've heard you know other um the opposition say like it's like oh not and and i hate to say the word opposition because i'm not really in opposition with anyone i'd rather be friend friends and friendly um it seems like, unfortunately, I'm in under direct attack in many ways. And um, it seems pretty obvious where the arrows are coming from in, in a lot of senses. And I'm not really here to like shoot any arrows or, or I'm not really honestly like not really fun just running, dodging arrows like I got better shit to do. Um, but uh, we're building our fortress, but it, but it's like. The idea is that it doesn't have to be necessarily um, contentious to be competitive and it doesn't have to um, be all hate and stuff. I mean, like this is just the path that like the universe put me on. It is, I did not choose to meet Alan. I did not choose to meet NorCal. I didn't like I didn't choose to get the OGKB put in my in a in front of my face um, in a bowl smoking weed in my apartment. I didn't really expect to you know um be um a part of the brand that be began with grape stomper and then ended up creating like the majority of the fo uh, foundation of what a lot of what's out in the public domain today um really grateful but it's just like honestly a random chance no no miss malintention um just me being me unfortunately potentially polarizing at times 
Um, but then, yeah, you got um, you got the cherry pie Kush, and the story goes, I was is like Alan grew the cherry pie Kush in his grow around 08, 09, and he basically sold packs of it, was selling packs down to um, Hemp Center, the Green Door. Basically, this is shit. I don't want to blow the lid on how the whole thing works. I don't. I think it's all legal now, right? But basically, like, essentially, people have people send flour down to these towns to sell. Oh, like my buddy in Santa Cruz was sell, going up there buying packs and driving it wherever he wants, right? That's like what people did back then, and it's a huge risk and hot spot now. And and I I, I like, um, but but yeah, like it's basically um, they were bringing it down to the medical clubs and um in san francisco and bay area and the drivers um took allen's cpk and basically took it to um hemp center and it was slightly seated because cpk does drop lower nanners at times when there's light leaks or it's um overwatered or somehow stressed out and do er, and or too low lighting or something like that it creates seeds well those seeds of the early cherry pie kush became cherry pie and girl scout cookies according to what i was told these drivers said that you know the buyers at the hemp center which included i believe you know big burn they were um eating girl scout cookies and looking at this flower and said and they were like, basically, the the claim was they said, Alan had told the drivers, tell them what it, it's girls cherry pie kush, but tell them um, to not call it that because it's seeded. And we just want to kind of get rid of it, this batch. The breeder's still working on it. And the breeder is a guy named, individual named George from Mendo. And basically, don't call it Girl Scout or don't call it cherry pie kush. So they were eating Girl Scout cookies and this is what the story goes. It sounds kind of like it could be true. I don't know. That's why I say allegedly because it, but basically they're like, well, we call it Girl Scout cookies. And then, so they called it Girl Scout cookies. And um, basically uh, that's what took off. And they found seeds in the bag, which grew it. If you grow S1s of cherry pie kush, I have batches of it. Um, they are, they all come out like cookies or cherry pie. My, my, that crosses often come out like cherry pie. I've actually been told by someone messaged me. And so this is again, a more hearsay and I'm not really here to spread negative rumors about um, the cookie fam or anything like that, but this is just what I know. Um, uh, what's his name? Somebody messaged me and was like, oh yeah, you know the history of um, cherry pie, right? And why it's called the cherry lie. And I was like, no, man, I never heard of that. Just like I've never heard of any of this shit until it was like put in my face. Um, but he was like, yeah, the cherry lie is like um, the cherry pie is a cherry lie because actually the reason the where they got it from was a seeded bag of GDP that came from the same crew that was growing cherry pie kush. Now, if there's Hermes in, on the lower, sometimes there's a little bit of pollen drift. It's the lowers and it's usually not a lot, but it does drift. And it would pollinate plants in that room. So actually, a lot of people that buy my flower 
my homies have seeds of like slightly seeded as CPKS1 pollen here and there. Or, you know, once, once in a while, my breeding outfit will have us, but rare, but those are like valuable. I mean, they're it's the same type of genetics. They're bomb as fuck. Well, out of this a batch of GDP, they found the cherry lie seeds and it. And what they basically found to, according to this guy was GDP crossed with CPK, we would call it um, FEM, right? Or S1 or whatever, however you call it, FEM cross and fem one or whatever and um but it's like uh that's supposedly where cherry pie comes from that's why there's a gdp influence there's a little more grape um more perps actually less kush and then supposedly um they've been cross um the work is basically crossing the cpk bag seeds to og this is what i've been told and, and none of this is all rumors and hearsay that created, you know, future editions of cherry pie and what came after. So basically I was gifted CPK from Alan um, during one of um, one day he came and he was like, Hey Mike, I got a clone for you. It's the, it was the cherry pie Kush. And um, he's like, this is the real deal. I was like, what does that mean? He's like, Oh, uh, real deal means that this is the original cut that made those that like, that goes around for 8k i'm like well what's the cut that you grew outdoor last year or whatever and he's like oh that's just um those are like that was a s1 of that or something like that so or a, um a sister or something so there are are a few versions of cpk i've met a few people that claim they have other versions of cpk i'm actually working with another that's very unique and almost potentially better than mine um, so I'll be demonstrating that soon, but basically the cherry pie Kush that I got from Alan supposedly was being sold for AK and his brother was, had held it cause he was a grower and, um, and they had gotten, he got permission to give it to me. And so I had full permission to work with it, breed with it, whatever. And, um, it wasn't really like too long before, um, I found out Alan wasn't paying me for my work and may i don't think he really thought the cpk was payment i think that was truly just a gift and i um appreciate it and as you know from the story like like that's a pretty epic story if it's true and um when i told that story on instagram basically it got so much backlash from the cookie family that they actually blocked me and then I think that deleted all their posts historically. And, um, and yeah, it just never talked to me because <laughs> I was like, I was like homies with S flux and, um, like we were all in the same groups, you know, like my friends were friends and working with them and all this stuff. And a lot of people I know, Mendo are like working with all those cats. And it's like, I don't know, for some reason I just felt in this place where i was gifted these genetics that were very extremely special and changed the course of history alongside what was going on in the bay that um in the norcal area that the cookie fam was trying to posture as their own and um no i mean i, I don't hate them and i mad props to what they've been able to achieve um but i just happened to be 
have been in touch with like more of the grassroots people who like maybe made this shit, you know, or like had access to some real ridiculous stuff that these guys didn't. And that was, that's basically kind of why, how, um, a lot of our genetics have been created was using OGKB, which created Grateful Breath, which is across to um, the underdog OG, which we called Joseph. And the Mendo Breath was across to the Mendo Montage, which is a Mendo Perps crystal locomotive. And at any point, you can just cut me off and ask me cool questions because I know we're wrapping up and like I could, I would love to talk about anything. But yeah, so I'll just keep going. Um, the, um, so we made the grateful breath. We made the Mendo breath with OGKB. I also made a ton of other stuff with, um, outcrosses and that created a lot of seeds that like really cool people worked with like, um, sucking treasure and, um, in-house and, um, just like some major, major people. Oh, Grandy Flora genetics, um, worked with the grateful puff, um, it's just in it's just in a lot of cool stuff. And so I'm really grateful for people who've basically kind of like added on to it and been been influential in like spreading the the legacy per se or just mendo breath, grateful breath um work. And okay, anyways, of course the a lot of our work is also based on cherry pie kush. That's where the story that I inherited from it from Alan through Mendocino and I've been babying that cut for 10 years and I still have it. It's honestly evolved in its structure, its expression. It's, um, I believe my growing style kind of releases certain genetic um, restrictions and um, inheritances through potentially what I've, what we were basically talking about through beneficial biology um, was that the probiotics actually work with the genetics and that um true healing and true natural healing actually is um genetic transforms your genetic expression and they call it the field of epigenetics but basically we are um always um we can we're always transforming and changing and our consciousness actually creates and changes our genetics but so do the biology the beneficial biology like i said earlier they're like the angels and the demons so if you have good biology in your body then you are activated with high energy good thoughts and um intention the, the desire to like like connect and um be like a mycelial force a positive force um but then like if you're like um sickened with pathogens and um black mold and um all types of uh negative potential parasites like there's like freaking um all types of shit i don't want to sound like i'm like i think that we're just we got great worms in us but um if you google intestinal worm and then if you google um uh fucking what's that shit d dis no no that's a stem nematodes for plants now i'm talking about oh what's that term skin mites they're fucking gross they're so gross. Oh, they're called Demodex. And you can Google it. It's spelled the way it sounds, D-E-M-O-D-E-X. But we're covered in mites in every skin pore, and we spread them from dogs to people. Causes the cause of acne. I won't claim that I have perfect skin. Um, 
but like it's the cause of every fucking shit that happens um uh hair loss rashes um inflammation block pores um it, it causes uh dogs to you know have patches hot spots all this stuff is actually like if you understood biology like we understood plant biology and you use a microscope and you like doctors would and you science and you start looking up what lives on people and, and plants you understand that we actually have organisms that are eating us and if we don't take baths with good oils essential oils um certain kinds of minerals and vitamins and other things that you would put on a plant to feed it through foliar um then you're not really like feeding your body in the most beneficial way especially if your diet's not full and then so like we're covered in all these bugs that we're just not if you don't take baths every day and keep clean then you're not gonna be at your full potential that's balneal therapy bath therapy but the truth is just take baths every day and use organic soap and you'll be fine but it's the same concept as spraying your plants with you know organic oils and essential oils that's what you're doing for your body and you're getting rid of all the parasites that are on the skin so anyways i really don't even know why i started talking about that um but uh grateful breath mendo breath all this cool stuff um yeah is that does that kind of like explain oh high school sweetheart is was one of my first crosses with cherry pie kush it was uh, made in Mendocino while I lived in Priest Daniel's house and actually made in an earth box using um, the like the anaerobic bacterial um, method of sub-irrigated um, planters, which uh, I helped introduce to the public and teach people, which is now like a very popular method. I'm not saying I'm there's it's been around soma beds, um, earth boxes, all types of stuff. I just helped kind of demo it and and showcase it with mycelial growth completely anaerobic all that stuff and um all the amazing flower i was growing at the time was grown that method and um definitely got really good at it but i also will say that it's not um the most convenient method and i'm not sure um and yeah so i just kind of move i just use um more of an aerobic and anaerobic type of mix i use the best of both worlds i'm not one or the other kind of mentality i think it's dumb that anybody would sit on one side and just blah 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 it's like stupid just try to figure it out but um there are both an beneficial anaerobes and beneficial aerobes and there are both anaerobic and aerobic pockets in the soil do you want all one no that's my opinion anyways cut um on uh, after all that um um i made but high school sweetheart was made in a earth box anaerobically um a lot of the crosses during that time were just thought that would be fun to mention because people like fans of like natural farming or probiotic farming will know like how important sub-irrigated um, planters are to desert farming and also demonstrating the proof that um beneficial biology and fungi can actually sustain a plant in a completely oxygen-free environment um completely saturated environment so anyways yeah, that's what high school sweetheart was made in. And that was um I fucking made so many crosses in Mendocino. Like I had a male with um different um ma uh different males kind of like cycling 
And then every time a male would be done, I would bring the females that were cycling uh, in veg into the, the pollination room. And there'd be like 12 at a time. And we'd hit that. And then we'd move on to the next male. Um, uh, some like made, you know, maybe a hundred crosses during that time, which ended up keeping uh, the GGG company afloat as we transitioned from Mendo to Eugene to um, Michigan, we had created beans that I could sell for years. And that's honestly a blessing. And um, being able to have created genetics that people support and and purchase, um, continue, and that I can live off of and run a company and move my operation and um, really travel the States. I'm just so beyond um, blessed by this plant and the, the opportunity through the company that um, it's like, I, I just don't know how to express this. So I just, sometimes I'm just like gratitude on the post. Cause I'm like, this shit's too good. And I have nothing to complain about. So um, thanks to like everyone for everything, you know, like why, why not? Um, but anyways, yeah. So then we also made some beans with that collaboration that somewhat failed in Washington that kind of sustained um, my move. Because And then um, during that time, something interesting was like, I gave my library to someone for a minute and they supposedly stole a grateful breath or other cuts from me and then like sold it behind my back. And recently, I mentioned this in the Mendo and the Min talk, they give me the someone reaches out and is like, Hey, I have this grateful breath cut that supposedly is that, you know, hand cut that you, um, bred with back in Mendo and it was taken out of your garden. Okay. I don't know if it's genetic drift, but it's not the hand cut from my observation. It might be the chip cut, which is, and was crossed with, um, a few plants. But the hand was the actual number one keeper of all of them. And it was more, it was more cushy than this one, which is more diesel-y because the OG Joseph underdog has diesel characteristics, actually much more common often than the Cam and OG characteristics. So OG KB. So, so, um, grateful breath. So anyways, I had that grateful, I have the grateful breath cut now and I've been taking pictures of it and we offer it at legit genetics, which is our current, uh, nursery where I sell seed or seeds and clones and also check out C bank international. We're doing, we're always doing deals. And if you message me or message the accounts, like, um, we can hook you up on bulk and also give you like the best deals and, and, and price match and all this cool. Cool, cool stuff. So anyways, like definitely hit reach out, see Bank International and Legit Genetics, but we do offer that Grateful Breath cut. And it's the chips, in my opinion, that was stolen from my garden. It's actually phenomenal. And I grow it. It's just, it's just not the hand that was used in the Grateful, Pu uh, Grateful Puff cross, but it's still um, a phenomenal yielder expression and a very um, diesel leaning expression. I've actually had a very hard time getting seeds from it. Um, she's one of the cuts, like um, I was talking to the, um, Sherbinsky about the Jello. that's really hard to get seeds from and, um, and historically has 
almost been like almost nearly sterile. And the OJKB is kind of like that too. Um, anyways, so I'm, I'm doing my best to kind of like get some nice beans off of that. I'm testing it. Don't want any problems. Cause I don't, unless like I, I can raise everything to perfection and I feel it. And I know that it is, um, what it what's required to make quality genetics i um double test it you know and so anyways uh yeah high school sweetheart was made and then we made went to michigan in 2014 and um i've been there here since then i've actually haven't really gone back to cali that much although to to visit my homies out in la and to see my family and um haven't really back been back to um bay area that much oh actually no i was at the emerald cup in 2013 that was when the first year they moved to um santa rosa and we didn't wait did we speak well we spoke in 2013 i believe um i might i'm I might have some of these years wrong, so don't quote me on it. But basically, they moved to Santa Rosa. We did we did a talk, and then um, that's the um, that's like kind of the last time I, I've been there because like later on, they I think they start to make it like licensed only, and so basically I I'm like excluded from it, and they take my video off probably because it was too. It looked like a like a college students project <laughs> and they were like and I, I probably honestly would be embarrassed to see it if they put it back up so whoever it is just send it to me but don't put it up that'd be cool <laughs> but like it, it's just like this old old one of the first lectures i ever gave but anyways yeah so i never went back to the emerald cup since then but they really inspired me so we've done the organic cup here which will um actually potentially be going on um we have a announcement to make on that follow the organiccup.com no sorry excuse me it's at the organic cup on instagram but on but the .com is organiccupmichigan.com we really plan on doing organic cup michigan organic cup new york and organic cup california so if you're in any of these areas um i think i locked down the new york venue but let me know about a NorCal venue because I'm really interested in doing something out there organically, hopefully bring out folks in Oregon and LA because there's really not a representation for like um, real organic pot. This is a private event, so it's not going to be like open to the public or anything like that. But um, if you reach out to us, like essentially we vet you and you're, you, you can join the, the organization but we're very open to having um, a the community. But knowing that it's an organic only thing, and being the the one of the only organic only events, it's a special audience and it's real niche. But um, I think that it's what's needed. Um, we don't really have a place for like organic type of people, and oftentimes it's like shunned or excluded or whatever and so people are always thinking about the salt growers but nobody's ever thinking about organic ones i don't know whatever so anyways yeah so that's what the organic cup is about and um unfortunately had to cancel it last year in 2021 
you know, because um, I had a falling out with my business partner. I paid every single vendor, every single ticket holder back. And if anybody was not paid, call me or email me. I will be a hundred percent there for you. Um, I just appreciate like all the support. We had such an incredible lineup and um, showcase of vendors, guests, speakers, booth holders that essentially had to see um, a disastrous falling out between me and my my you know decade long business partner, um, who I at one point I held at the highest regards and honored and respected as an elder. Um, as my equal though, I mean, like we're 50, 50 from the beginning, but, um, unfortunately, like during that whole process, I wasn't really treated like that, but the organic cup got, um, 2021 got canceled. That would have been its third year. It was going to be an incredible, incredible event. We had so much planned, a whole committee, a huge budget, which now I know why it's horrible for artists and musicians to cancel a show i'm like oh cancel a show whatever they they got drunk whatever no it's not whatever dude <laughs> it's like millions of fucking dollars you dipshit <laughs> you know like it's like all the rentals it's like all the ticket holders it's like all the performers it's like all the vendors it's all the sponsors like not cool and um i'm grateful for people's um, understanding and um, hopefully I will we'll be welcome back next year or excuse me this year um, we plan on doing a harvest cup in Michigan and um, starting something that's uh, should be very incredible we're coming out with even more of a bang than um, we ever have with a stronger team and those who have been part of the organic cup in the past um, we would love to have all of them back and we would have anybody love to have everybody who is kind of in the area to kind of set their calendars or kind of look forward to a future date because um, this is going to be a phenomenal event. We have um, just like some of the most beautiful people um, helping me design and um, recreate it in an even, even more um incredible way i guess this is going to be more community um so follow the organic cup on instagram uh know that we're going to be announcing dates in um potentially multiple locations and um start getting your organic indoor and outdoor um flower you know ready knowing that there'll be a cup at the end of the year um in like some really nice heated tents with some good vibes good music um the michigan community so yeah we'd love we'd love to see everyone and um yeah thanks for thanks for having me here of course i'm actually down to stay till the end if you're down to have me and i'll just keep talking if you have any questions but yeah that's the organic cup and look forward to seeing everyone there i'd love to have you there whether you're live broadcasting or you have a you get a booth or we get you a sponsorship uh, maybe we could barter i just love to have everyone that i work with involved in some way and represented and given a mad showcase because like that's what everyone deserves i'd I love to be a part of it man i i definitely have 
been doing the Michigan was first event I've been out to, you know, I hit a few last year, but it's, man, I, I did have a lot of fun and uh, kind of recharged my batteries a little bit, man. I've actually talked about since that event kind of being like a cannabis gypsy, if you will, talked about how good the community is. Just going from event to event, kind of covering things. I think that would be like super fun and cool. Just meeting people across the U- U.S. You know what I mean? I think that'd be you know, fun as hell. Not but. everyone is going to be able to make it. You have an international, at least a very national interstate following. Definitely international. And um, your um, incredible cat. Wouldn't it be cool if you did or were at least one perspective in the live broadcasting that was a part of the Emerald, excuse me, organic cup. And the reason why I say that is because these days we want to be immersive. We want to be there, but we can't all be there. And um, you have that live perspective and you have a, a wonderful, um, uh, you know, influence and voice in the community. But basically you amongst maybe a couple others having your program on live being a part of the organic cup structure and basically reporting showcasing i mean what you already do but with our endorsement and our um you know putting you on i mean like i would rather that than hires like a news crew or something you know what i mean like that's what we that's how i want to build the community you know, I had never ever thought of myself as the following term, the other until well, and I didn't even I still don't think it applies, but I thought it was hmm, I was like hmm, that's kind of cool. I may throw that on the resume, even though I don't really think it applies. But uh I was talking with tomorrow's guest who was a, one of the original photographers for high times and covered mm. all the early cups and all that. And Good. one of his first questions for me was, so how long have you been a cannabis journalist? And I kind of stuttered for a minute and I'm like, I'm, I'm not a journalist. And he's like, well, you, you kind of are. And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> you became but, you know, it was I, I, I love it. I love what I do as far as going out, meeting people and doing this stuff in the community. Do you see how like the world is changing where we would rather get information from amazing people like you than um the corporations that have historically ran the game? It's like I would rather spend hours here than ever turning a television on you know and it's like you're the future and this kind of media is is what we need to like kind of support because yeah and not to say that the other guys that doing the work aren't aren't valuable but yeah i love i love your channel and the honesty and um yeah you're a great guy so i'm glad to have met you I am as well, man. And you know, I appreciate you talked about, you know, shout outs and shit, man. Didn't even have to. It mentioned the one time and shit. And I was, you know, I'm always 
skeptical on people on how they're being when they're being recorded and stuff like that you could have very well got off camera <laughs> god dang it oh. i that's that's you know in circulation i was trying to sell that shit or whatever you know what i mean but you were too cool about it not only that you went and fucking uh posted a shout out on your you know website on instagram and shit hey check it out you know i was you know i, I thought that was super cool so it, it has been a pleasure to meet you uh, i enjoyed the conversation so far and way when i got you on here is i was gifted these lovely beans here which oh, yeah. is stupid okay this is the uh designer bomb kush tell me how fire fire these uh a kush bomb i don't want to miss yeah the kush bomb yeah so these are a uh, um traditional old school headband cut from humble that i call the pk headband because it reminds me of the pure kush um hollywood pure kush kind of like um marshmallow is the word um very few can you see this it's well it's like the only thing not showing up right oh there it is there you go. You got to almost put it in front of your face. Background's weird. There you go. Perfect. So it's a it's a tra traditional um, Kush. This one was harvested a little early, so you see a lot. It's got a lot of hairs, browner. But it's um this is a m amazing smoke. Um, it gets purple. Gets rock hard is old school as can be in the Kush hierarchy and um, has uh, the pine saw, lemon, cleaner, less lemony, marshmallow, which is like the hallmark of the LA, no, the Hollywood PK, um, not the Topanga Canyon. It doesn't really have that smell, but this but this is like um like most likely before that i honestly can't give you the the exact lineage because i don't know but um but that's what i was told so it smells like hollywood but it actually is um potentially higher yielding and not and i don't i don't wouldn't call it the hollywood um pure kush so i call it the pk headband and um it's just fired i haven't knowing how many amazing cuts i have uh, that are in the modern um, contemporary taste palette. This is something that still stands today. It's an incredible washer. It um, may, translates that like amazing gas uh, in its flower and its smoke and dabs. Um, so that yeah, you're in for a treat. And obviously, cross to the triangle Kush, you're you're gonna get Kush OG. Um, a lot uh more maybe like yeah headband og basically is what to expect i would say that do expect um both potentially single dominant colas as well as um slightly um viney growth uh the viney structure is not to be disliked um as people like are like oh it's not like uh just doesn't just grow right in the middle middle like a beanstalk it's like yeah 
it's not really supposed to it's supposed to be treated like um like some real heirloom kush which a lot of people i don't think have ever had the experience of growing and takes like a unique touch and isn't necessarily the easiest plant to grow if you're rough but it's like it's requires a special touch um and special nutrient profiles sometimes but um but really just a lot of love will will give you what you want um but yeah if you want og gas headband kush pk this is um this is where it's at and you're not gonna miss with any phenol here right on. that's right up my alley that's fake i love the that also, right now, I'm also kind of working on the pine pond as well. Um, well, we talk, you were talking earlier about, you know, um, some of these genetics definitely uh, OGs can be uh, anything kind of super indica dominant, in my opinion, uh, can be overfed or easily hermed. You know, some of that I don't, I think is like thick canopy for them lowers. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of, you know what I mean? Not getting light. But, uh, yep, yep. And I, I, I've heard lightly, but I think it's the opposite way. I think it's a, you know, a thicker canopy blocking out the light, and it kind of freaking out in that way. And then I would one hundred percent agree. Higher feeding, uh, you know, higher feeding mid flower. I think also kind of pushes the indica to you know throw a banana mid flower i think people don't like don't realize indicas don't like to be heavy fed you know what i mean they kind of like to be kind of held back a little bit but if you push too far for too long into flower in most cases they will throw that banana and i think a lot of really good strains have been discounted for that reason at some point or another i love that perspective a little more operator error, you know, some good stuff right there. And I think, you know, I, that's one thing that I'm really, I hear people throw that term around so easily. That's stress caused. That's stress, slight stress caused from one thing or another. It's not necessarily a true Hermie. People, they want to throw that term around so easily. You know what I mean? That's right. quite the difference. I think the idea is that we a lot of people have found that you can make anything Hermie if you do it wrong. Yeah. Um, uh, there was somebody in chat wanting to day haze or haze. Let's see here. He wanted to know about... Uh, daybreaker his favorite strain if you want oh, to awesome. talk about that a little bit sure sure yeah that's interesting because essentially um right around the time i'm i was working with key play around 08 09 before we really established gauge green group um uh he i i was um I had I was picking up from Jeff. Well, he was working with this kid named Aaron, aka Medic. And at that time, Jeff and him were working on a strain or breeding company called Dank Bros. And they were putting like naked women on the seed packaging and and like 
um, all this stuff. And then basically like I had, they were, you could find a lot of this stuff online and, and basically they had a huge falling out and, um, uh, Aaron was a good friend of, um, Lumpa, who was an influential breeder up in NorCal, Lump, um, Lumpa's headband, um, is a uh, underdog, which is actually the oh, Joseph OG, the father of the Daybreaker, um, also the father of the Grateful Breath, and a lot of genetics that um, Jeff and I made at the time. I, honestly, I wasn't a huge fan of Joseph. Not that he wasn't creating incredible creations. But that it that he wasn't necessarily an OG, and I'm from LA, so you don't tell me what OG is. I fucking know what OG is, and um, I would freaking get into arguments or contentions where with Jeff that um, would be at an impasse where at times he would pick up, like one time picked up a heavy ashtray and threw it at my head from across the table because we couldn't see eye to eye and um pretty pretty incredibly like toxic stuff i don't even know why, why i went there but basically um the um the story with with that was um jeff was working with medic at the time and at a certain point they had a falling out and he accused medic of raping his wife and then and uh, of stealing all his stuff and so what he did was he sent medic on a one-way ticket home to la and he kept all of medic's genetics and i, I don't want to like talk about it in a way where this is like unfortunately not wasn't presented to me like this in this way when i was working with keep playing so a lot of this is also hearsay to me because i wasn't there and so i want to be absolutely clear like i'm not really trying to like put put negativity anyway but um at one point it sounded like key play was very abusive towards medic and then had a very um, disastrous falling out almost like a replaying of my experience and that's kind of really why i bring this up um what I what I hear is um, someone stops medic from basically killing Jeff, um, who medic has um, like is a black belt, and uh, you just don't fuck around with him. But they ended up not right pursuing that. He just said goodbye, or he just like they just turned around and left. Um, this er this early work that key play and um medic had created became foundational in works related to the joseph and you know potentially the chem dog and other works which um he was key play was working on at the time when i came which um i wasn't necessarily a part of bringing in so i can be more specific specific of, of like you know the abusive og and 
the ghost OG and the Skywalker and all the stuff that I brought to the table, but I didn't bring the underdog or the chem dog to the table um, at that time. And um, basically like it was medic stock. And so like, I want to, and I have to give an, he's probably going to see this. And like, he's like, he's like, I never been fucked up to me. Cause I, he, he knows like, I mean, I don't know. He's, he's been legit to me from, from, from afar. Um, but like, I, I basically, um, I guess we owe him one for being, um, having been a part of the early work that was utilized in a lot of the early GGG breeding that um, I wasn't aware of a lot of this stuff. Like I was told that Medic tried to steal from Keyplay. And so he was sent back to LA and um, the uh, they had agreed that like the stock that was there was Keyplay's or that he basically um, somehow, I don't re really remember the exact details, but he basically convinced me that it was his stock. And um yeah i don't um wasn't planning on talking about all that but there's just like it's just an interesting you know history and um i don't think anyone's trying to like take take credit from medic um but he brought a lot of uh lumpus genetics who he was good in contact with um to the table which is why uh we have the lumpus headband and stuff in the in the Joseph, um, but my qualms, as I was saying earlier, was that the Joseph was not OG. And like I said, I'm from LA. This underdog is not, is actually um, has connections to Sour Diesel and is in the, um, is actually, uh, underdog is another name for uh, original Diesel, which was, um, also, uh, I think it's Chemdog Mass Super Skunk without the um, the DNL. Don't quote me. I'm just this is off the top of my head, but it's like a sister clone of um, and I and I've had different versions of Underdog and and Daywrecker and um, Nupa's headband and all types of stuff. But um, the Joseph was a male that basically key play and medic somehow had created um potentially all medics work and um was used in a lot of the early ggg breeding i.e daybreaker the chem dog d um i believe came from um a mutual friend of south fork genetics uh his name is savvy and actually um, a really cool cat. So, um, and uh, introduced me to South Fork at the time when they were putting out immense, like super bomb chem seeds and um, was, I was selling it at my seed bank, seed bank, in, uh, seed bank for humanity at the time, which was like um, basically me taking my buddy's um, genetics and we had top, we have Top Dog, Exotic, Bodhi, CSI, um, a lot of cool people that actually aren't on my Seabank International today. I still have Top Dog, 
And, um, but uh, now I work with like a whole another group of breeders. I think after I got arrested, it kind of spooked everyone. So, but um, yeah, I um, spooked me. <laughs> and then so, um, sleeping for humanity. And uh, yeah, so shoot, what was I talking about? The gen the Daybreaker. Do you remember what I was talking about? Oh yeah, Daybreaker. So um, so yeah, the the cut the chem D, um, this was all stocked at, and when I moved in, um, I didn't move in, but when I was running the operation and growing and breeding and stuff. This was the stuff that was at at my disposal disposal. So like, um, kept the underdog male and the uh, mental montage male with long enough to hit the OGKB. Um, the Joseph ended up going away, which I'm I don't want. I just um, I I would want to say that I dislike the Joseph in the sense that it wasn't a good cut, but it was should have been called something other than Joseph OG. And so if people saw that during at a certain point, I actually changed it from Joseph OG to just Joseph. And the reason why is because it wasn't an OG and it never should have been called one. And um, it, and it maybe maybe it was key place idea of a marketing ploy, but I didn't think it find it cute. And it because none of the seeds necessarily came out OG, not that they were bad. They were more cam or diesel, which is fucking fire and super frosty and props to Lumpa Medic, but it's like, um, I would have called it something else. Just Joseph. So that's what we ended up doing. Anyway, so that's that's what created the the Daybreaker, which is a homage to Daybreaker, which I talked about earlier, which is um, uh, underdog, uh, predecessor sister of um, Sour Diesel with the Chem 91 and the Super Bomb and Chemi and Gassy and... Um, almost less sativa and foxtail-y than the sour. So it's like, that's super unique and ridiculous and probably what everyone actually wants. Um, but the sour is unique in itself and also ph phenomenal, not, not to discount it. But anyways, um, so yeah, that's the um, Joseph and the chem dog, um, which is probably the same chem dog that was a part of the um, South Fork line, which is phenomenal. And I'm grateful for that. So that's how I was, where I, kind of lost myself but yeah and um chem and uh we made a lot of daybreaker actually put out ads on um skunk in back in that day those days we made thousands of seeds and we sold them like that we didn't like nowadays i make uh, hundreds or less than a few thousand at most of any seed usually not because i'm not trying to have a huge archive but because i want um to just have unique variety and I keep my stuff limited. So we were talking about pricing and and I like the collector idea and the limited. If I'm going to create something I'm and you gave me an option, bulk or limited, like I'm sure you guys would already know what I would choose. But um back then we were doing so like when I say I've done it all like in at least in genetics and seeds and flower but more so in genetics on every level that um there's I've done um, bulk, low, lower priced. I mean, lower price being 150, 200, which I still think is uh, phenomenal. And I see at one point CPACs being 20. I want eventually to see every 
American home growing the newest, you know, designer genetics, like um, every month we drop, right? And like being a part of this universe that um, we can use to uh, empower people or enhance their their vision or their their um, potential. Um, anyways, all that that aside, like that's that's my ultimate like desire. But I like the boutique. I like the limited, high priced stuff. I like the um, even if it's not high priced, like right now we're doing the two hundred, but it's still limited. It sells out before the drop sometimes, just off of pre sales and fret to friends and family and um, you know collectors and pheno hunters and stuff. Um, but like we do allow. Um, uh, we, but we, I keep it limited. Like people, there's seed banks I see who make something and then they make it again and they make it again. And all the seed banks have already put it on sale and it's like still coming out. <laughs> I mean, dude, if it's not selling, like stop making more as my opinion and like, don't, and don't flood the industry. Like if your retailers are like fighting each other, for pricing you've already messed up and like um and uh right now like i'm working with my retailers and i'm saying like for the first time like let's put on sales it is like um we need to fight inflation <laughs> we're at a point where everyone is um this is the this is like a a refresh of like the great depression oh shoot we're at 412 so like we you know we're trying to take a more compassionate approach um i love i love everyone that supported us and we want to make it more approachable but we still want to keep it limited and fun and um yeah so that's uh that's that was the day day daybreaker so um pretty much about all i can say it was, it was definitely an amazing cross we pheno hunted lots of it and uh, i'm grateful that people supported the drop and were able to find incredible stuff from it. It was all legitimate heirlooms. Definitely chat saying nice things about it for sure. I'm, 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 I'm in the club with the limited thing. Um, both ends, unfortunately, uh, <laughs> I'd right. like to collect. I'm enticed when I hear limited. It definitely makes me want. Unfortunately, it's a it's a great sales technique. I you know nothing against you, but it is oh. it is it's great. But but myself, I used to do it as well in my carpentry. Cannabis sure. aside, I used I do custom pieces, uh, furniture and shit like that. And at some point, uh, where in the hell I got? Uh, I would only build so many of each item, 28, and that was it. So every item would be limited. So I like little That's crazy awesome. shit like these, you know what I mean? Spend some time. This is a business card holder, you know yeah. what I mean? You can actually, it's hinged, all wood. There's a you know, brass pin in there to actually oh, your hinge. So you can actually put this in your pocket like a wallet, or you can set it like that on your bez on your, your desk as a display. Exists. I used to make. Oh my god! I used to do shit like this all the time, but you know, I mean, I make twenty eight of them, and I even like the two t shirts for the show. I only so many. You're either there and got one, 
or you just didn't fucking get one. That's the way I've always been about that shit. Same. So, you know what I mean? I yeah. love the limited. People you know always want I mean? my T-shirts. The moment. They, they want the T-shirts like when I'm wearing them. And I'm like, man, these you didn't get them when they dropped. They're gone. It gives it, yeah, it makes it more special, in my opinion. It gives everybody, you can wear that one with pride. You know what I mean? You're like fucking 28 of these bitches. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you walk around like you want to, you're, it's a trophy. I definitely appreciate that shit for sure. Uh, so yeah, we are getting close to that mark. Currently, 107 people watching still right wow. now, if you can believe that. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, thanks for sticking with us. It's like morning time, and, you know, this is perfect for me because I'll be honest, I don't go to bed till, like, I, I really actually rarely sleep, but I'm always up in these hours. So, yeah, I would love to be on the panel once in a while, maybe not all the time, but it sounds, dude, you have something cool going on. I'm grateful to have been here. Yeah, once again, I'm just repeating myself, but thank you. Oh, no, I appreciate the kind words, and chat was most definitely saying they hope that you do pop into the Weedner world at some point. And as sure. I was telling you from a uh, little bit before the show, kind of spoiling the ending a little bit, that's how things do work out around here. There's three, right now, three, three things that go on around here on this channel and that's the fucking talking shit with me and then what you've done and then i guess that opens up things a little bit wider because that any once you've done that that zoom link that i sent you this evening is always good so anytime that you do see a weed nerd world monday nights are guaranteed a weed nerd world little late 2 a.m but you can always bet there will there'll be one there the rest of the time, they're a little sporadic. <laughs> Either awesome. they're, if I don't have a guest, like it's a fail safe, 2 a.m., we nerd world. Other than that, it depends on the guest. If you know, if the guest, they vary, you know, now I'm not always just blessed to have a, a, a guest like yourself that with a great, you know, wants to go the whole, the whole enchilada, you know I'm what I mean? Talker. And I, I've had oh man, I've had some uh I think uh Rasa Jeff uh Rasa Bob is my longest one. I think he took me eight hours. And wow. that cat, yeah, straight from Jamaica. And uh he had been up like the whole night before, kind of just you know, trying to make it work, time difference so different. And he had got on another show before this one and he when he got on man his eyes were like bloodshot and uh he got a he's got a cutting board full of cannabis he's chopping up fucking weed with a butcher knife ah, and i'm thinking no way no way he's going the distance i mean damn he took me the distance he took me the whole show and then some. When oh, we were done, God. my eyes were bloodshot. His were white, and he was getting ready to go out to do yard work and shit. I'm That's like, holy crazy. shit. Yeah, no, there's days where I don't go to bed. Um, I don't see it as insomnia if you don't see it as an ailment as much as you see it as a blessing because I don't have to sleep. 
and I, I get a little bit off of uh, minimal amounts and I get a lot done and I don't see a reason why I need to sleep when I have tons to do. So why would I ever take sleeping pills or anything? Because I don't know, why do I want to go to bed anyways? And it's, yeah, that's another thing that contributed to the stoner uh, fucking misconception there. We're lazy. I don't know too many people that are in the, you know, cannabis industry or cannabis field in general that are lazy. Most of us only get four to maybe six hours sleep and the rest of the day hustling like crazy. Where did that even come from? You know that there was a demonization of cannabis in the early 90s and um and of course um the the seven you know the 70s and and 80s and all that um propaganda i think was super detrimental and a self-manifestation of like because cannabis is so and uh this goes into like all the health stuff but mind body soul if you think about it it might become it and so people being told this from birth you're going to be lazy you're going to be lazy for some people it manifests itself and i'm not going to say that it's true for everyone and um, I think, like you say, most people in this industry are some of the hardest working, and this is growing and keeping up in this industry is not easy. So props to everyone being a part of it and and um, being a creative force and just like keep holding on. What I would, my recommendation is attention to detail, um, quality over quantity. Um, yeah, and just uphold, like, just just have self-respect. And if you do for that, then your product will be respected. And then, and like, and you'll treat it with utmost love and people will see that. And I mean, it'll be a wonderful creation. And that's like, we see that in a lot. I see a lot of it in this industry. I'm grateful to be a part of it and to be supported by a lot of other companies. And yeah, anyways. Man, I was getting ready to ask for you. I finish off these uh, <laughs> these uh, spotlight episodes with what I call a soundbite. Basically, it's hard to ask for one after that because that was that was pretty fucking good. <laughs> but basically, what I'm looking for uh, in my version would be, "Hey, this is Eagle, and I'm on fucking talking shit with Eagle." Episode six sixty one. You say whatever you want before or after that, as long as it's kind of got that in there. I would greatly, greatly appreciate a sound bite for your episode. It will be a commercial someday for a look back at this episode. I am ready. We think. There we go. Um, I'm ready. All right, I'm going to go. Okay. What's up? Hey, everyone. Uh, it's been an incredible pleasure being a part of fucking talking shit with Eagle episode 661. I'm glad to be a part of this community. Thanks for being a part of um, 
my journey and i hope to see you soon tune in to future live chats and uh interviews with eagle thanks for having me guys perfect two in a row <laughs> two in a row man i was getting ready to say before you threw that one out because it hesitated for so long i was like that was a tough one wasn't it <laughs> I almost that was a tough there. one to beat like like two-thirds of the way there, I was like, what did I just say that for? Or I don't know, like I said a word and I was like, okay, how am I going to follow that up? But I, I, I kept it going, so hopefully that works. <laughs> great job, great job. Thank you again for your time, everything you do in the community and hanging out for tonight, helping buy us another night of hanging out. We all appreciate that, of course. So uh, any last goodbyes before i say goodbye to everybody yeah just um keep keep up the great work man um love seeing you on all the time and uh been you've been a like a treasure trove of knowledge to the community and i'm grateful to see all the guests and everything that you've been able to bring just in the short time i've known you um look forward to seeing what you can do moving forward I'd love to support it. I'd love to offer my my help and be be a part of what you do in the future. And hopefully we will see you at the Organic Cup or many future events. And uh, yeah, thanks again for having me. Thanks everybody for tuning in. Um, thanks for um, not chewing me out <laughs> as hard as you could. And um, appreciate being a part of this and um, yeah, love you all. Hope you have a great morning. <laughs> that was, uh, again, some very kind words. I greatly appreciate it. For the Rose, you guys that are hanging out still, 106 watching at 424, oh. you guys are fucking awesome. With that being said, you guys know the deal. If this is the end of your journey, get some rest. If this is the beginning of your day, your journey, please take time for a little bit of self-love. Love a little bit of meditation along the lines of what we hope is your fucking amazing day. Please take time to do something nice for somebody. Random acts of kindness do save lives. We're out of here. Thank you again, my friend, for a great episode. We'll talk soon. Bye-bye.